My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, not only are we live for the big four events and every NXT takeover, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, W pay-per-views and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WNR 160, the WWE Network Review for June. Every month, we review the latest content on the WWE Network, including collections, new programs, 205 Live, news, and NXT update. But first, it's James with the alternate intro. Yes, we've been doing TV shows, well, children's TV shows, for a little while now, but I think this And it's a bigger show. It's the Muppet Show. It's time to play the music, it's time to light the lights, it's time to meet the Muppets on the Muppet Show tonight. But how do we start things off every month? Well, it is WWE Network Collections, and unfortunately we are doing this so early, we actually haven't got the updated June collections, but as soon as we get that, we will drop it to you like it's hot. So then, new content. We've got some more episodes of the Something Else to Wrestle With podcast, and that is May 9th with the Million Dollar Man. Yep. May 16th was talking about Rowdy Roddy Piper. May 23rd was with my friend and Twitter follower Vince Russo. And then May 30th it was with John Cena. And these are exactly, not exactly the same because obviously they've got a different subject matter. But they're 90 minute long with those two on a split screen talking about this. Vince Russo was probably the harshest one that they did. But then again, no one likes Vince Russo apart from, I think, yourself, Dan. So <laughs> We're just friends on Twitter. Yeah. We also have This Week in WWE, which is episodes 485, 486, and 487. And that's just showing the latest from Raw and SmackDown. We had the WWE Music Power 10, and that was May the 14th, and that was going back to WrestleMania. Yeah, and then WWE Table for Free, May 14th was Double J, Elias, and uh, Brian James, a.k.a. the Road Dog, and that was uh, really enjoyable. And we had May 21st, a table for four. And that was Edge, Christian and the Hardys. That yeah. was very interesting. I like that, that. That was brilliant. It, obviously, the first time they've had four people. Uh, I'd on, like to see in table for six. I, I think there's the a possibility down the line. I think that would be cool because we know how great a talk of Bubba is. Uh, classic content, Mid-South. All episodes from 1983 and now 1984 have started to be added as well. We had something that James is really into and that is Total Bellas Season 2. And uh, Camp WWE as well, Season 2. I mean, we've got the new episodes, but let me just... Episode 4, this is what the episode's all about. Some people like it, some people don't. Our true dream of becoming a hip-hop superstar, I realised, well, Mr. McMahon realises an assassin is on the hunt to get him. So, I mean, that's what it's about, really. We had WWE shorts, mixed match challenge winners, visit Dog's Place. Yeah, of course, they won it there on the uh, Miz and Oscar did. 
And then the WrestleMania Golf Classic, I, you know, I knew that would be interesting to you as well. It's the golf tournament that took, obviously, place on WrestleMania weekend. And we've also had WWE Hidden Gems uh, for May the 24th. And one of my favourite things about covering and following pro wrestling is that it's basically infinite. There has just been all over the world for so many decades that there will always be more interesting stories and chunks of strange history uncovered, more footage found that nobody has ever seen before. Exactly. Case in point is the WWE Network's Hidden Gems selection, which has been previously updated occasionally on no set schedule, but which has been retooled as a weekly Thursday content drop this week. Devoted to a rare and previously unreleased matches and segments, it was long a particular favourite of hardcore fans, especially those who used to trade videotapes and DVDs. That was, in large part, thanks to how WWE kicked it off. The first hidden gem to drop in September 2016 included a match that had become the ultimate holy grail for collectors, the last battle of Atlanta. Yeah, the 1983 bout at the Omni in Atlanta was was the culmination of Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer's blood feud. Fans across the country got to watch on Superstation WTBS. It was pushed hard by the newsstand wrestling magazines as the Epic of Epics, adorning at least one cover, and was particularly eye-catching because it was the first time that a cage match properly trapped the wrestlers by putting a roof on top of the chain-link fence. Naturally, the best fight for the event shows Rich swinging into Sawyer with a drop kick while holding on to the roof. Yeah, no clips appeared anywhere on TV, including the Sunday Best of Championship Wrestling show that aired matches from the Omni on a semi-regular basis. Urban legend also suggested that Ollie Anson, who was running the Georgia promotion at the time, had thrown out boxes of possibly damaged, possibly salvageable master tapes at some point in the 80s or 90s because they were taking up space in his attic or carriage. (laughs) What a div. In 2016, a group of reels from the WCW library, simply labelled Omni Live Events, were digitally transferred and logged. The correction reads... Or div- uh. In 2016, a group of reels from the WCW library, simply labelled Omni Live Events, were, digi- were digitally transferred and logged. The correction reads... During the process, Eric Stefanowicz... Stefanowicz producer and researcher slash historian for WWE's legacy content team, discovered what many have referred to as the holy grail of wrestling video, the last battle of Atlanta. The video was in pristine condition. No restoration was required before it was uploaded to WWE Network, fulfilling the dreams of a generation of fans. Well, the first weekly drop shows huge promise for the future, covering bases that should satisfy the hardest of the hardcore as well as more modern fans. If you're not interested in the older stuff, there's still Chris Jericho's ECW debut, Triple H vs. Road Dogg when they were rookies in WCW, and The Undertaker vs. Jerry Law in Memphis just a few weeks before the former made his WWE debut. And Dean Ambrose vs. William Regal from 2012 in then-developmental promotion Florida Championship Wrestling. The hardcores and older fans, though, have an even more impressive selection. A complete episode of Championship Wrestling from Florida from 1971 devoted to the career of Jack Briscoe. Harley Race vs. David Von Erich from when the latter was a rookie in August 1977. A non-televised Rowdy Piper vs. Greg Valentine match from Charlotte in 1983. W title win over Ron Simmons from December 1992 and more. 
All of which is to say that Hidden Gems got off to a particularly impressive start. Previously unseen complete television episodes from the territorial era are always fun, but it's the nuts and bolts of the finds that really reveals how much promise is in the first batch and, by association, in the portions of the archive that have yet to be tapped. The race-Von Erich match, for example, is complete without commercial breaks from a television taping in Fort Worth, Texas. Other than what got repeated nationally in highlight form once Texas, once the Texas promotion started airing in syndication in 1982, was it was believed that everything from the Fort Worth shows, which had been aired on regional superstation KTVT, had been taped over. Mm. Can, can we just say as well, because you know people might say, why why would these things get taped over for? Because you know it's it happened here as well. Because you don't think these, they're going to have that much historical importance. It's very famous on BBC. The the original episodes of Doctor Who that they, they filmed, they taped over them, the master tapes, because they thought, well, no one's going to really want to watch these. So we lost, you know what I mean, dozens of episodes like that. So there is a lot of events, you know, like you said, with damage or stuff like this, if there is just master tape. Obviously now it's all digital, so there's no, <laughs> there's no chance of that happening. No. But, you know, back then... I mean, the very existence of this match opens up possibilities that not even the biggest tape collectors knew existed. The same goes for a Piper versus Valentine. It's not as if this particular match was famous or on a card that was known to exist on video. If W had this match, which happens to be a fantastically heated piece of old-school main event wrestling, by the way, they probably would have a bit more, albeit on tapes that may not have been indexed and or digitalised yet. Vader vs. Simmons was known to exist as the finish aired on TV, but knowing that WWE has the whole thing opens up the possibility that WWE has all of the live event matches from that period, which only the finish was aired on TV. A number of those matches qualify for Holy Grail status too. Two. Thanks to the rise of standalone DVD recorders, YouTube and file sharing, all increasing the availability and ease of sharing videos, Many collectors were worried that there were never going to be new finds. That, what we have now, was all we were likely ever going to get. WWE Network is coming to the rescue on that front, and while the promotion is far from perfect and the network had a bit of a rough start, Hidden Gems suggests that someone there understands what makes wrestling fans tick. Yeah, I mean, Hidden Gems is an unexpected love letter and gift to the hard cause. As private continue to find more as well, camcorders used to be ubiquitous at Japanese cars, but the videos didn't usually find their way to the West until someone started digging into Japanese websites recently. There's a sense that there may never be a shortage of new old fish study and enjoy. If you're the right type of wrestling geek, this is the best news that you could hope to receive. And it does, because it means that the, if they keep finding news, that means the podcast will never die. Because <laughs> there'll no. just be all this old stuff that they're adding as well as new stuff. But the Hidden Gems really was this month on the WWE Network. But we do move on and talk about new episodes. We are moving on to 205 Live. And we're episode 76, we're going to start a 205 Live Catch up, and it's May eighth.
voiceover guy runs down tonight's action, which includes clips of promos from Lucha House Party, Kendrick and Gallagher, Tony Nice, Ali and Murphy. Well, after the teams make their entries for our opener, Drew Gulak is out to join Nigel McGuinness, Percy Watson and Vic Joseph on commentary. He shakes Nigel's hand. McGuinness brings up the possibility of a Cruiserweight Tag Team Championship during the match. First match is Lucha House Party, Grand Metallic and... Lua. And they're going against Gentleman Jack Gallagher and the, the Brian Kendrick. Approximately a seven-minute match. Metallic was isolated by the hills for the most part. End was clean and Lucha House Party took out Kendrick and Gallagher with super kicks and dives. So it was a victory for the LHP following a shooting star press from... Lince Dorado on to Jack Gallagher. Well, a clip from Mustafa Ali's Twitter promo shown. Then Buddy Murphy and Tony Nese getting ready in the locker room. Dasha Frentes asked Murphy what he hopes to accomplish tonight, and he says he only has one blemish on his record since coming to 205 Live. He's had issues getting used to the weight cuts, but that's in the past now. He hopes the champ is watching what he does to Ali tonight. And the next match is Tony Nese versus Keith Clayball. And he... Lost to Tony Nice via pinfall following the running knees. It's total domination between how brutal was here and wishing Buddy luck in the previous scene. I guess Nice's short-lived face turn is over. We get a video package on Hideo Itami recapping his NXT days, then his recent losses with Akira Tozawa. He questions why he needs a partner and how Tozawa doesn't deserve him. Drake Maverick calls Cedric Alexander into his office. He wants to be sure issues between Alexander and Murphy don't spill over into tonight's main event. The champ said he's made his statement last week and he's content to let Ali make his statement now, but he'll do more when he gets Murphy in the ring again. The general manager also tells Cedric that next week in London, it'll be the stars of 205 Live against the stars of the UK Championship division. He wants Alexander to get the locker room ready to show what the cruiserweights are all about. Cedric tells DM, the GM, to tell the UK guys to bring that A-games. So the main event is Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali. And of course, you know, he was 205 Live's best kept secret. But now Buddy Murphy, I think, is the future of not only 205 Live, but the whole cruiserweight division. And we're going to start things off quickly here between these two men. Murphy goes for the stomp. Ali managed to dodge it. Murphy powers Ali up. Oh, looking for a powerbomb, but Ali manages to jump down the backside and delivers a thunderous chop to the chest of Buddy. Oh, Murphy likes the chops. That's going to fire him up. He's a lot tougher, I feel, than Ali, even though we know, we've got, uh, we know Ali's got a lot of heart. Murphy's definitely got the power advantage in this match. Sunset flip from Ali, though. Murphy rolls through, powers up Ali again. Oh, looks to deliver a powerbomb, but Ali sends him to the outside through the second and third rope. But Murphy catching himself, goes on the apron. Ooh. Gets caught with a drop kick from Ali. Uh-oh. Baseball slide there from Ali, sending Murphy headfirst into the announcer's table. No, I don't think Ali's finished just yet. Got hold of the top rope. Jumps over the top, but Murphy sidesteps. Ali lands on his feet. Uh, since WrestleMania, or since the whole kind of Enzo Mori thing, do you think it's improved at all? <laughs> Wholeheartedly, yes. It's, it's a more better-to-watch project it's i think they need a bit more direction though because having just the one title to go after i don't think that's enough i think they need something that they can showcase on a more regular basis yeah i mean they did mention the uh tag team titles there so maybe that's a thing but i think there's a definitely a case of there's been a lot more wrestling than there has been kind of storylines in recent times you even look at drew gulak kind of stopping his powerpoint 
And even now, you know, with Ali and uh, Murphy in this main event, but this is starting with about, you know, 25 minutes in, so you know this is going to have a lot of time. And I think the matches have had a lot more time to him recently. I think that's really helped them out, you know. I think they've um, can tell a story. I don't think we've seen a bad match on 205 Live in quite a while. I mean, the Ali-Alexander match back at WrestleMania, I think the big worry, I would say, is where do they see the Cruiserweight title now? Because it's not been defended at the last couple of pay-per-views, has it? You know, not at, um, it doesn't look like it's going to be defended at Money in the Bank. And, of course, it wasn't defended at um, Backlash. So, as we see the uh, Cruiserweight champion Alexander looking on. Yeah, again, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I'd like them to get something permanent, you know, like, you know, a permanent home for them, you know, whether it's on NXT shows instead. Yeah. I think you know, that would yeah. be, be a good place for them to go. I think that would be great. You know, you, you can even do the colour 205 Live versus NXT type thing, couldn't you? You know, and say, right, at this night, you'll have four matches or whatever and the winner's out on top. You can have the title defender there. I don't know about the purple strap, really. I understand they've gone for the purple look, but it's taken its, like I said, it's something separate now from the rest of the kind of WWE organisation. You know, it's like either red or blue. And but got then, kind of... you know, you've got the difference in, throughout the titles, the NXT titles stand out because they've got the massive NXT logo embossed on them. You've got the Universal Championship, which you very rarely see, which is red. <laughs> yeah. And all the Raw titles are red, whereas 205 is kind of like the only purple one. But it's not its own brand, is it? You know, I, I wouldn't class 205 Live as a brand like um, Raw or SmackDown. I think it's kind of like a show as opposed to NXT. Oh, my God. And both men going for cross bodies and catching each other. Both men are down on the mat. And uh, that's a move that excites you quite a bit, James. Yeah, it is. That's a very, very good move. But uh, so I think my point was, was like, uh, with NXT, the titles are defended. They've got a pay-per-view at the end, haven't they? They've got a takeover show. With Raw and SmackDown, they've got the pay-per-view. With 205 Live, if it is its own brand, then it needs its own shows, you know? Like, maybe a pay-per-view. Would you watch... A cruiserweight only pay per view or a network special on the network, or do you think there's no point to it? You know, this is the weird thing, isn't it? You know, yeah, but with NXT pay per views, with like you know, the uh, they've got a few titles to go for. With Raw and SmackDown pay per views, they've got a few titles to go for. With this, it's only the one title, and then you know, it's what there's only you can have, yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of the problem with it last year, wasn't it? With Jack Gallagher just going... They, they were switching around fuses, weren't they? Tassar was going with someone and then back to Gallagher and then he was switching over. But Murphy's been in control of this main event. I would say, for the majority of this, and Ali, even though he's got heart, Murphy cuts him off each and every time. Well, Ali has had some offence in there, thereabouts. Well, he had a little bit then <clears throat> as he dodged the, out of the way of Murphy, who hit the turnbuckle. As he dives through, rolls... Oh, but gets caught again by Murphy. I think he's, you know, he's just being out Murphyed by Murphy. Oh, Buddy's looking fresh. And uh, like I say, I've always been a fan of Buddy Murphy. And he's a guy who went to NXT and then decided, well, even decided or just went there. Give it going to a five live. And I think he's uh, held his own most definitely. I'd say a little bit more personality, but I think we've seen glimpses of that. I think it's the same with all the cruiserweights, though. You want to see a bit more personality, but obviously not that kind of Zomore type of kind of taken away from the actual not too talent. much personality yeah. no um, you know Drew Gulak he's got a bit of personality I would say he's probably got the most in the cruiserweights you know you look at even Alexander you just go has he got a lot do we actually know what he wants you know do we know why he's there for yeah. like 
But uh, Ali now's turned it round. It looked like Murphy was going to go for the sleeper, and Ali is. Maybe those weight cuts, and he's going to take it out of. Uh, he can maybe put him to sleep. Ali was on Murphy's back with a sleeper. Murphy just decided to throw himself and Ali into the uh, turnbuckles. It's like a Death Valley driver, but with no landing. Well, that was very innovative by Murphy and a good way to escape the sleeper hold. Easy for you to say. Both men dacking out of them. I mean, number one contender, definitely in contention for Alexander's Cruiserweight title. Had a chance yet? He Murphy. hasn't had a chance yet. But, you know, if Murphy's successful or unsuccessful, then I think... You know, it should be handed down through the roster. It'll be the same couple of guys going for it because that's the thing that gets us fed up with a Raw and SmackDown product. Yeah, no, I think most definitely. You know, I think we should have a, a, a conveyor belt of challenges. I think that's for 205 Live. Everybody's equal and anybody can beat anybody else on any given day. And I think that's something that needs to be said about this as well. That doesn't get talked up about you know that's what the excitement is like you said you could put anybody in there with the champion and yes the champion could lose you know and it make it like more not sport wise more athletic i think there's definitely a chance if even like we say we're a ranking system something so people can move up and down and victories matter oh, oh my fuck and a lovely <laughs> ddt there by ali to murphy folded up like an accordion so i know you're a big fan of murphy but would you like to see him lose in his run-up just so, you know, he is beatable and he's, you know, he's not hanging over him yeah, in I matches? Su- I, I suppose, yeah. I mean, you, you don't want to go that way because there's only one way it can end, really, you know. But I think Murphy's strong enough to take defeats and, and still move on. I would like to see him give an opportunity with a cruiserweight title. I know that's me being biased. But I think there's a kind of champion there. We talk about the kind of hills that actually get the job done at the end of the day as well. Rather, You know what I mean? Like, we, the kind of hills we like. And I think he could do that, especially with Sly. He's like one of the biggest guys on 205 Live. And it would be great to see him going through matches with Jack Gallagher and Grand Metallic and all these other people but as well. But then they kind of come in and then they burn out quite quickly, I think. Because, you know, you look at Jack Gallagher, for example. When he came in, he stepped up. He was a big over... You know, he was loved by everyone. Turned into his heel persona, and he's just kind of been forgotten about. Uh, yeah, I, I, TJP, he was big, you know, and then he's been forgotten about. Even um, Kalisto, yeah, he uh, came in, made a big impact when there was no one else that could challenge Enzo Amore for the title because everyone had just beaten the fuck out of him. And, you know, what's he done now? He's part of Lucha House Party, and he's just been forgotten. Yeah, that is true. And Murphy there, I think, just killed Ali. Oh, my God, he kicked him in the face, kneed him then, picked him up, dropped on his face. Ali kicked out. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, look at Jack. He challenged Neville for the Cruiserweight title. How many people remember that now, you know? Uh, and we talk about the curse of the, the Cruiserweight division. It's something that definitely has to be looked at. I think there's potential in those guys. I think TJP, like I said, did he have enough chances? But we, if you want to keep it fresh, you're going to have to make switch around, aren't you? It's like right? Rich Swan. He had great potential. Yeah, exactly, and he's never be back, will he? So, but we'll see what happens, and we'll see what happens in this match because Murphy now is going to look to put away Ali, and of course, this Murphy's laws. What we're looking out for? But Ali with a roll up two. Oh, Murphy just getting a shoulder up at two, two, and now Murphy catching Ali, power bombs him down, powers him up, and hits him for a second time. Powers him up, looking for a third. Fucking hell! <laughs> trivector of power bombs. And Ali's got a far away look in his eyes. So is Murphy as well. Referee's checking to see if Ali... Well, Ali has put some fighting against Murphy in this one. 
Well, he's pleading with the referee. Don't call it, ref. Don't call it. Well, we know his heart. We know his toughness. But you've got to live to fight another day. As he calls Murphy <laughs> out. and You've got to admire the balls on this guy. You do. But that might have been a mistake. Murphy grabs Ali by the face. Say, this is the end now. Another powerbomb. Does get him up. Oh! <laughs> Ali plants him with some kind of X factor. One, <laughs> two. Oh! oh. But Murphy just managing to kick out. Uh, that was an eight-foot-high X-factor there by Ali. The way Murphy landed like a lawn dart. <laughs> His head was spiked <laughs> into the canvas. Well, Murphy maybe rolling to the outside to get away from Ali, but probably not the greatest strategy there. Because Ali follows him on the apron. Is him on the top turnbuckle. What's he looking to do? Well, that look good, but I don't think Murphy's going to be ending up landing in the ring. Spanish fly to the outside. Oh, you've got to be kidding. Murphy, serious trouble. Ali's on the top. Oh! Murphy pushing Ali off. Ali <laughs> doing a backflip, landing on his feet. Murphy comes flying off to take Ali out, who lifts up his foot to deliver a super kick. And now both bent down, and that was, uh, that was pretty special. That was very spectacular. These two guys have got some great chemistry in the ring. And now Ali Frey Murphy going to... Try and get the victory. Going to pin him. One, two. two. Oh. Murphy not going to have strength to kick out. Oh. But getting his, his foot onto the bottom rope for an escape. And like you just said, I mean, you can tell these guys work well together. And Ali now going to go up, maybe try and finish this off. No, he's not He's not in the correct position for the uh, inverted 450. They might try and... No, he's taking his time now. And Ali looking to put Buddy away. Tried a 450, just a normal one. Murphy moved. Oh, and Murphy dropping both knees on Ali's hand. And now Murphy's got Ali with the arm. Throws him collarbone first into the corner, wrenches his arm, drops into the mat. Now Murphy again with Ali. Who turns it around, throws Murphy face first into the turnbuckle, rolls, up, rolls him up, but only gets a two count. Two. Murphy comes running and gets caught with a big back elbow. Ali looking for the springboard tornado DDT. More of a guillotine headlock. But with the bad arm, Murphy manages to power him around, turn it away. Oh! And throw Ali into the ring post, shoulder first. And now Murphy's got him. Murphy's law. Oh, hits it. This is over. One, two, three. Well, Murphy tells us to shush, but I won't because I've been impressed with the lad. But I've got to say, before I go over Murphy, Mustafa Ali is such a great in-ring competitor. I think he's one of the most underrated guys that we've watched now this past couple of years. Because every time he's in the ring, he definitely delivers. And yeah, you might say he's a gimmick or a character, but you can't fault him for kind of the just fantastic matches he's putting on. I think with Murphy tonight, it was another one down, don't you think? Yeah, the only, you know, I know you're a big fan of him and you probably won't like this to hear it, but the one gripe I've got, he's a big fan of not really selling much. Yes, yeah, no, I, but I think the cruiserweights are like that anyway. His you know reaction I mean? to moves, I think they're great, but, you know, he could get hit with something big and then he's up two seconds later. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely something he's got to look at. And I think with the cruiserweights, well, like you say, that's something maybe that people do have a kind of disconnect sometimes. I'm not going to say it's kind of Lucha uh, Libra type style, but I think you're definitely right. But the way 
Uh, like I say, he gets planted with that X factor when he got planted down there. I, and also, um, again, I'm not going to have a go at Billy Murphy, but I think he's finisher. We've seen it with Alexander. He struggled with a time as well. I think it's a bit too complicated. Yeah, exactly. You want to base, you want to finish her as 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 people, you know, said about finish. You want to finish her that could just be hit out of anywhere, can't you? you like, know, like, like an RKO. An RKO, stunner. You can hit on anybody any size. Super kick. Your tombstone, yeah. you can't. And I think nah. with that move as well, if Murphy is going to look to move up afterwards, I think it's going to be very difficult to be yeah. able to pick up. Fuck, you know. I can't think of a big guy right now. Mark Henry. No. <laughs> big Cass. Better big Cass with that move, exactly. But I still think it's very, very good. Don't get me wrong. And I think Murphy is definitely um, on the up into a Yeah, I side. think, you know, he needs to kind of find his character as well. I know he's a hill, but what kind of hill? Yeah. Uh, what is the motivations? Yes. And the thing is, this guy could potentially be a great hill as well because you look at him, he's got a great look. No, and he could say, like, I want to become the best. And he's got Alexa Bliss as well as a partner. You know, that could be used as well if you want to talk about that. Trying to get him over. And, and it's true, you know. Uh, and I think there's a real upside to him. But like I say, there's work to do. But I think even on 205 Live, there's still kind of work to do. Well, yes, we do see the finish. Buddy Murphy wins with Murphy's Law. And we saw Alexander watching the main event from a monitor in the back and looks to have his next challenger. Ali was obviously disappointed at ringside as Murphy celebrated to close the show. So we move on to May 15th, episode 77. And uh, what was special about this show, Dan? There was, there was a couple of podcasting legends in the crowd. <laughs> there definitely, definitely was. So what we're and gonna... we got to high-five most of the people in this we match did. as well. We did. Uh, yeah, episode 77, May 15th. It was in London, England. And yes, uh, Dan and myself were there. We had just watched Smackdown. Uh, and we were were waiting for two i five live. Now, what were your thoughts? I mean, I don't think we're going to watch. We'll, we'll, we'll won't watch the matches because we've already seen them. But we'll just try and see if we can see ourselves. Uh, but <laughs> we'll run through the show anyway. We'll talk about what happened. So uh, Vic Joseph welcomes us to London, and then along with Nigel McGuinness and Percy. How did you do this? Because I've not heard your Nigel McGuinness yet. Well, Vic Joseph welcomes us to London, <coughs> and then along with Nigel McGuinness. And Percy Watson introduces us to the UK stars who will be on this episode. The first ever United Kingdom champion, Tyler Bate, Joseph Connors, James Drake, Flash Morgan Webster and Kenny Williams. Yeah, Bate gets a selfie promo saying he's going to get TJP for cheating to beat him in the Cruiserweight Talk Tournament earlier this year. Williams also introduced himself in a similar video. Joseph tells us the first eight entrance in next month's UK Championship Tournament will be unveiled online at noon tomorrow or Wednesday, May the 16th. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the, the UK Tournament later, another episode. But the first match was Tyler Bay and he defeated TJP, Kenny Williams and Kaliso via pinfall with a Tiger Driver 97 on TJP in a fatal four-way. Remembering it live, uh, it, I'll tell you what was a bit of a disappointment was the fact that the crowd must have been about, what, 50% for at that time. You know, I think Arthur had left by then after SmackDown. And we had 205 Live. And it was great to see Tyler Bate. I've, I've, we've been a fan. And it was great to see him in action, in person. And especially defeating someone like TJP, of course, the 311 boy that we saw. Uh, Kenny Williams was a bit different uh, kind of animal, you know. Um, like I said, he's going to be in the UK tournament anyway. So that would be different. But uh, I, I don't think it was a bad match. I mean, what happened in the match, Dan? 
Well, Perkins got some big moments when he had all three men in submission simultaneously. That was actually quite a good, a good moment as well. He had all of them. It was, it was very impressive. He was at the bottom of the Tower of Doom spot. Williams got a nice shine too and looked like he might be able to pull it out, but he springboarded into a punch by bait. Tyler then cut off the detonation kick and did the rebound lariat spot and hit his finisher. Yeah, I mean, that rebound lariat, that rebound lariat spot, I mean, is probably one of my favourite moves and to see it live as well. It, it, it's a thing of beauty and Tyler Bate being so young the way he is. Yeah, we promise we'll all be putting videos of the 205 Live stuff up soon. We will. True story. Yeah. Speak to Dan. Email Dan. You get a bit starstruck. <laughs> T.A.P. You the man. You the man. Video package for and promo from number one contender Bully Murphy on 205 Live. They're used to having things handed to them, but from NXT through weight cuts, he's earned everything he's gotten. He knew he wasn't going to get given a title shot, so he attacked Cedric Alexander to get one. We're reminded this match against Cedric for the Cruiserweight Championship is in two weeks in Alexander's home state of North Kakalaki. The announce crew tells us next week we'll see Akira Tozawa versus Hideo Itami. Well, Cedric and Mustafa Ali are warming up in their locker room and they meet their partner for a six-man main event. Webster welcomes them to London and says 205 Live is about to get some much-needed flash. Drake Maverick is here. He joins the announce team. And Dasha Fuentes asks the other trio in the main event how they plan to work together. Drake and Connor say they've taped together in the past. Drew Gerlach says he's been putting them through their rigorous team-building exercises with two of the best match technicians in the UK and himself, the greatest submission specialist in WWE. He has no doubt they batter their opponents. He wishes Dasha cheerio as they head to the ring. So that is the main event is Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali and Flash Morgan Webster going against Drew Gulak, James Drake and Joseph Connors. Yeah, and again, the crowd were... Uh, a bit quiet for this one, but I tell you what, uh, Flash Morgan Webster did get quite a positive response from the crowds in the UK, uh, even though we were like, well, okay, he's, he's all right. He kind of, it probably looks like Noel Gallagher if he was a wrestler, would be fair to oh, say. Oh, I don't like the fucking mod look. I think they look fucking stupid. Yeah. And if you, if you look like a mod, then I think you look stupid too. But Drake and uh, Connors were in the UK tournament last year, so we've seen him before and they weren't too bad. What, what happened in the match, Dan? Well, there was some fun car crash. It was a fun car crash where everybody had at least a few moments. Morgan was bleeding from the mouth after some tight work with Drake midway through the match, but stayed involved throughout. Closing sequence saw pretty much everyone hit one of their signature moves on a member of the opposing team. Gulak got Cedric in an ankle lock, but he then got free, made the final tag to Ali, who hit his finisher, the inverted 450 after laying Drew out with a Tornado DDT. So not bad. I mean, it was kind of an excuse for 205 Live to not really put on a proper show, I think would be fair to say. I wanted to see Murphy. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was great to see Bate, but I wasn't a huge fan of this episode of 205 Live. What about you, Dan? No, it's. It, I know it's, you know, it was in England, so they, it was good for them to use some English talent, but you kind of think that, you know, everything that happened tonight doesn't count for anything. Yeah. It was just a stalling match. You know, we didn't even see any Hideo Itami and Tazawa, which yeah. would have been nice to watch. Yeah, I think exactly right about that. And then we move on to episode 78, so our third episode, and it's May 22nd. The opening video package focuses on Hideo Itami's WWE career and what led to his breakup with former tag partner, ah, 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 Kira Tazawa. <laughs> Vic Joseph introduces Percy Watson slash Jackson and Nigel McGuinness. They hype next week's title match and they say we're here from the champ and challenger tonight. Gulak gets an on-location promo from earlier after his entrance. 
He says, the journey of a million miles starts with a single step. And tonight we take a step towards a better 205 Live when he faces a member of the LHP. He'll prove that you can flip or dive, but when you step to him, you will tap out. Well, Lee, Brian, Kendrick and Jack Haha Johnny announced him for our opening match. Which is Grand Metallic versus Drew Gulak. Uh, Metallic got some spots to shine, including a cool one walking... A cool one walking the top rope for launching a drop kick, but Gulak kicked him out ah. of the air on a moonsault attempt to create an opening for his finisher. Which he did defeat Grand Metallic with the Gulak. Just saying. That, I, no, I think that is a great name for a finisher, to be fair. I think if we talk about finishers' names. The Running Knees. Knees, I like Knees, but I think the Gulak for me. Is probably what the about best Murphy's one, Law? Murphy, actually, yeah, they're all pretty smart at the moment. They all use their own names. Yeah, yeah that's, that's quite cool. The Alexander Backbreaker. <laughs> well, it's middle The Alley 450. <laughs> the uh, Jack Headbutt. Well, we see a Buddy Murphy promo. <laughs> <laughs> we see a Buddy Murphy promo video. He says, no one trains and works harder than him. And it's true. That's why he's beating everyone he's faced on 205 Live. He'll beat Cedric Alexander. True. Because you can't stop the unstoppable. It's true. Unless you stop it. Well, yeah. And then no, it you stopped. Stop it. Yeah. Well, anyway, next week, I'm going to come in the bigger, the faster, the stronger athlete. Murphy cannot wait for this. After the squash, Dasha Fuentes interviews TJP about his recent social media whining. He said he wants to be the best technical wrestler in the world. He says he is the best technical wrestler in the world and he single-handedly put the cruiserweights on the map. He wants better competition from Drake, Maverick and respect from management. The announcers talk up how European fans love Mustafa Ali and Cedric Alexander during the WWE tour. That segues into Joseph's sit-down interview with Cedric Alexander. The champ denies he's feeling any pressure saying he's dealt with WrestleMania so Buddy Murphy would just be another day at the office. There's no way he'll lose in his home state in front of his friends and family. Alexander isn't, wor- with... mm-hmm. Alexander isn't worried about Murphy having a size advantage because people forget he had to cut weight to join the division. Plus, he's had time to adjust to losses of stamina you experience from cuts. Cedric also isn't concerned with all the guys Buddy's beaten because the roster is full of talented, hungry competitors. He show the Aussie and all it's the age of Alexander. Well, Dasha catches up with Tazar backstage and he says he's respected Hideo, but Hideo didn't respect him. If Itami didn't like him as a partner, he really won't like him as an opponent. And that leads us to our main event for 205 Live, which is Hideo Itami versus Ah, 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 Kira Tazawa. So as the bell rings, we start this action. They both start with double boots to the face. And they do that again as well. Of course, former partners, and who's the better man here? I'd say Atami. I think Atami's better. I think Tazar's better character. I'm annoyed Atami's still wearing the same outfit he's always worn. Do you know what I mean? Why has he never changed that up? But it's a really quick start from each man, missing with kicks. Because they were teaming up for a while, but just too many mistakes happen in tag team action. But they are very different to Zara and Atami, aren't they, you know? I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, yeah, they're completely different characters. I think one's more of a strong style, the other's more of a high-flying style. But, you know, these two guys must have trained together, so they kind of know how each other works. Any strong style, if they're allowed to do it in this match, it should be great. And there's Tazar with a chop. And Atami chop back. It looks like it's going to go this way. 
Hopefully we see a real kind of Japanese battle. It's going to be hard hitting. It'll be nice to see Cesaro with a change of pace. We know how um, innovative... I can't say the word. Innovative. Yeah, we know how uh, Atami is with that, kind of the moves he's created with the GTS and other moves like this as well. And of course, the kind of... As Kenta before he came to WWE, but it's just not worked out for him here. So see if it's his last shot. It'll be interesting to see who the winner of this is. You can see the redness in Tazawa's chest already. Well, it could be worse. They could be Kenzo Suzuki. Yes, that is true. And Atami there with a beautiful punch. Do you know Suzuki was only in ever one game, Day of Reckoning 2, on the Xbox? Little fact for you. And Tazawa now stomping on the corner of Atami. And now Tazawa snapmares Atami down. So there was a kick. Oh, and a standing senton. Goes for the cover. Two. Oh. But Atami managing to kick out. Ah. I think Atami's definitely the face in this one. He's trying to start his chant. I don't feel the crowd are that into it, though. No, they sit down. Most of them on their phones at the moment anyway, so let's see. We're just waiting for the dark match. <laughs> Cesaro slams down Atami. Can't get him down and goes back to the submission. I think we're going to see a lot of this. And now Atami with a gum shield is going to bite down. Try and send Atami to sleep. But again, we, we talked about this. We touched on the subject when we said people getting used properly with Jack Gallagher and TJP. Tazawa again falls into that category of a guy who was cruiserweight champion, but only had it for, I think, was it 24 hours he had it for? I think so, yeah. Well, 48 hours, yeah, cause, I think, because it would have been defended on the Tuesday, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he lost it. He won it, at, I think, SummerSlam. Lost it uh, the next 205. That kind of hurt. Uh, Tazawa, I think a lot really if you look look back on that. And Again, you know, he's kind of struggling to find his feet as well. He he was part of World Slide. Yeah, he was, yeah. Um out there. They've teamed him with uh Hideo Itami. That's not quite worked out, so they're going against each other now. Yeah, and then we're gonna see what yeah, exactly it's like let's try and make the best of a a bad situation here. Situation. situation. Itami throws Tazawa on the apron. Now Itami fighting back with some big kicks. Oh, and as uh, Tazawa was draped over the second rope, he climbed up and dropped the knee to the back of his head. And Itami saying it's about him, but we haven't seen that fire and desire from Itami. I mean, he's had a couple of opportunities, like I'm saying, NXT, losing to Bobby Roode for the NXT title, coming up to 205 Live. I don't think, did he lose? He didn't lose to Enzo, did he? They never faced off, hopefully. I'd don't think they did, no. I think Atami debuted uh, as soon as that happened. And a nice net breaker there by Atami. And like, so you can hear the impact. You can see the damage with the redness on Atami and the backhand chest. <coughs> a baseball slice sending Tazawa to the outside. And Tazawa trying to get the crowd on side, but they're not responding. Uh-oh. And Atami head first into Barry Cade there. And Atami with a kick to the chest. Saying the fans, you hear that one? Throws him back in the ring before the 10 count. 10. Goes for the cover, but Tazawa kicking out. Ah. And you can certainly see Itami means business. He wants to take out Tazawa and kind of move up from that. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I really like Itami. And um, you can I like the aggressive nature of him. I like, I like his style. It's just a shame for him as well that Nakamura came along. Do you know what I mean? When Itami was out, injured... And then Nakamura kind of... I'm not saying, because like, obviously you put them under one brush, but this is what WWE does, you know. I'm, I'm sorry, but this is what happens here. They don't want too many of the same thing, if you know what I mean, apart from big white wrestlers, I suppose. But still, 
And with Nakamura, the way he, he wrestles and stuff like this, with Itami, just come across as a bit bland. You know what I mean? And with Tazara, he was different as well because of the character and the way he was. And then you saw Itami just like, what is this? You know? And you can see the damage done by Itami because if you look at Itami's left shoulder, you can see, or, or you know what I mean? You can, the scarring on it. You can see yeah. that, exactly. And that's what the surgery that he needed. But do you think he's he's never fully recovered from that? I, I don't think he has, no. Uh, and I don't think WWE got behind him the same way because, like I say, of other factors as well. And then once you have a guy that you're, is injury-prone, we've seen this with guys with injury. Look, Dol- that's what happened with Dolph Ziggler's kind of well total push, didn't it? Once you get get injured, then you think you're seen as a certain liability as well. And I think with the time, that's why he probably never given the, the story to go all the way. It's all to do for now. But I think Atami's been injury-free for about a year, so I don't think there's any excuse for WWE not to give him opportunity. Maybe in this one, showing his aggressive nature against Cesaro. Maybe he'd be uh, wanting to hunt down Alexander or Murphy. We'll find out next week. It'd be good to see uh, Itami versus Murphy, two former NXT guys going at it. Yeah, and I think the style would uh, mesh quite well. And like I say, anybody can beat anybody on 205 Live. You know, Itami has the tools to go all the way and win the Cruiserweight Championship. It's all about opportunity and about impressing. And he has been impressive in this one now. He's taken over completely on Atami. Oh, and Atami now getting frustrated standing up. Oh, but gets caught with a lovely DDT. Atami with the cover. But Tazawa managing to kick out. Oh. Now Atami again. Just grabbing hold of the submission. The sleeper just wearing him down. But Tazawa still got a lot of fight left in him, trying to psych himself out, trying to get the crowd involved as well. And you can hear the our chance. But I think he, I think he kind of tries to go for that a few too many yeah. times. It's nice to have different things you can go for rather than boring the fans. You know what I mean? So maybe Atami, uh, Tazawa can make look at that. Atami with a kick. Oh, but Tazawa catching with a Frankensteiner, following it up with a running knee. Is he going to go up, try and hit the senton? I think it looks that way. Atami is down for the first time in a long time. And Tazawa's up, all the way up, looking for the senton. Itami intelligently rolls to the outside. But he's not out of harm's way as Tazawa comes running across the apron and just takes him out in a like a, a palancha. And now he's got Itami frozen back in. He's going to try to look to put Itami away, going back up. To the top. And he's put his finger out because the time is getting up to his feet. Oh, oh drop kick. Goes for the cover. One, two. Oh. Itami managing to kick out. Ah. And that was a close one. You can see the look of uh, Itami's face there. It's like, oh, that, that was nearly it. And Tazawa, again, trying to get the crowd up to put Itami away. But he's taking a lot of punishment. Tazawa looking for a suplex, but getting caught with a few big elbows to the back of the head from Itami. Itami can hit you from anywhere. That's what Tazawa's finding out tonight. So running into Itami. Oh, but Itami gets his feet up. Oh, looking for a tornado DDT, but jumps out to the outside of the ring, hanging him up on the top rope. And after that guillotine, now it's Tazawa saying, what about me? Oh, what about... What about Itami? Going for the cover on Tazawa. Oh. And after that, Lariat couldn't get the job done. Shoulder up at two. Two. And Hideo is questioning the referee on that decision. Was his count a bit slow? 
I think that's what Hideo thinks. And now he's going to got the combination. Looking for the spinning back elbow, but Tazawa ducks. And now he look at that. that. That is beautiful from Atami. The way he just moved there from uh, Tazawa's right arm to the left, then into the submission. Can't get it in low. Tazawa rolls out, gets an inside cradle, only gets a two count. Two. Shining wizard. And that might have knocked Atami out. Get up then, Tazawa. Well, this is your chance, Akira. Akira, Akira. The crowd can Akira. Come on, get up. Get up. Get on up. Get up, Atami. Move on out. Oh, Atami's up. Cratches Tazawa on the top rope. And then just uh, the old slap to the face by Adeo. It's simple, but effective. <laughs> and now Atami, it may be superplex to Tazawa. Trying to fight out with all he's got. And the crowd will finally get behind him as well. Oh my god, what is Tazawa going to do? Both men on the top. No, Tazawa's got Itami's leg. No. Trying to fight out, but Itami's too strong for him. And both men now teetering at the top. Itami thinks he's got Tazawa. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a top rope Falcon Arrow. <laughs> Goes for the cover. One, One two. two. Oh. Akira Tazawa managing to kick out. Ah. That was a very impressive move. Well, we saw it in the Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Rally match. And we're seeing it again in this one. It's, it's two different matches, but they get given the time. And because of their styles, it kind of meshes. And it turns into this. And now Atami getting ahead of steam. Running the ropes, planting Tazawa, goes for the cover. Ooh. Again, Tazawa managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And time and time again, Tazawa with his shoulder up, now Tazawa in the corner. Going down low. And he's got his tummy all tied up. Oh, he had him in the octopus stretch. And Tazawa tried to dodge it, goes outside. Oh, And there you go, kamikaze dive. <laughs> It was all or nothing there for Tazawa. Throws the Tami in. Now looking to finish him off with a senton. Oh. Oh, Tami rolled out of the way just in time. Tazawa hit nothing but Matt. Now, now, this might be Tami's time. Going to go for the drop kick. Oh. <laughs> it's his mark. Tazawa's left a quivering mess in the corner. Oh, no. Tami's going to go for a second one, though. Hits his mark again. Well, Tazawa's out. And Atami now is going to put an exclamation point on it. Got him in a dragon sleeper. Turns it round. Knee to the head. One, two, three. three. And Atami picks up the victory. And what I thought was a bloody good match. Brilliant chemistry between the two. You know, they, they didn't even falter, if you know what I mean. You know, it was a perfectly worked match between the two. And, yeah, seamless. I would argue that this is the best we've seen Hideo Tami in WWE, you know, at any point. Yeah. But this match showed off him, showed him off at his best, if you know what I mean, that kind of style that he's got. Yeah, he was in trouble a couple of times, but in the end, the victory seemed pretty certain in a weird, you know what I mean, in a yeah. weird way. I think that works for him. He's got a kind of cool confidence. I just want to see more kind of character development and a kind of maybe change of style, but a couple of moves are fucking brilliant. And like I say, it's very similar to the uh, Murphy Ali match of like just two guys giving it their best. Well, they get given a like you know a good nearly twenty minutes, and they can pull something brilliant out. 
And this is what we saw here. Tazara doesn't, I don't think, gets hurt in that victory because uh, he looked really, really strong in the match as well. So that's Terra 5 Live for this week. Well, it is episode 79 for May the 29th. And we get a video package recapping Buddy Murphy and Cedric Alexander's post-WrestleMania program. Well, Vic Joseph, Nigel McGuinness and Percy Watson slash Jackson welcomes us to the Coliseum in Raleigh. And we see a champ and challenger prepping for the main event. Drew Gulak is the fourth man on commentary for our opener. A backstage promo from Lucha House Partier during their entrance. Lee, Brian Kendrick and Jack Haha defeated Lucha House Party, which is Kalisto and... Lince Dorado! With Grand Metallic via submission when Kendrick locks in the captain's hook after Gulak pushed Dorado off the top rope before he could finish TBK with an aerial manoeuvre. Kalisto was facing peril for most of this match, uh, for most of this six-minute match before getting the hot tag to Dorado who seemed to be in a position to pick up the win for his team until Gulak got involved. We get a recap of the Hideo Tami versus the Kira Tozawa match that we just watched. 2i5 Live superstars comment on the title match. Mustafa Ali says no one will take the belt off Seddi but him. And Tony Nese says Murphy will win because he's the better athlete. I like Tony Nese more and more each week, you know that? Tess interviews Drake Maverick. She mentions Xavier Woods and Charlotte Flair tweeting about the title match. And the DM, the GM, says they're not the only ones who are excited. All the cruiserweights and fans of the cruiserweights wrestlers will be on the edge of their seats. Dasher asks if Maverick saw TJP's tweet, saying he doesn't care about tonight. The GM says respect is earned in the ring on 205 Live. He puts off Murphy and Alexander for earning their right to compete in one of the most anticipated matches in the history. Yes, and now it is time. The cruiserweight title... On the line, it's my man Buddy Murphy going against Cedric Alexander. This should be a great match. We're getting the in-ring introductions right now. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Dan, as a person who's impartial, who do you think... Who's the favourite? Who do you want to win in this? That may be two different answers. I don't know. I think the threat is Buddy Murphy, but I want Cedric Alexander to win. Why is that? Just because you hate me. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of many reasons. But I just, I think, you know, Cedric Alexander, he's a brilliant athlete. He's worked his ass off to get where he is. And, you know, I think he deserves a bit of time with the belt. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I I am a fan of Alexander. And, yeah, if you're looking at it in that way, I think he does maybe need a couple more successful title defences. But Murphy's so strong. You know, I've got to favour him in this one. As he looks for a handshake and then just throws his sweat into Cedric's face. And as I said, with Murphy, I think you know he's going to help Alexander look strong and not hamper himself too much mm. because he's been on such a good roll as well. Yeah, and I think the thing with Buddy Murphy, and I don't want to disrespect the cruiserweights or anything like this, but I think Murphy's definitely got a role to play on the main roster in the future. You know, I can definitely see him being involved if for the United States for the Continental Championship. I can see him involved in a very good fruit with a certain Mojo Rawley. You see, again, you have to be negative about it, but I'm going to look at the positives. You see, I definitely see that with Buddy, whether it's with Cedric, I'm not sure. I think he, he can, if you'd be like to develop a character, but I think Murphy's definitely got a lot more potential. I don't think uh, if he was to lose, it would hurt him as much as it would hurt Cedric, you know. But I think it's going to be a really fast-paced match, as we see in the early going. And Cedric nipping up to his feet quicker than Murphy could get up. 
was a nice nip up by Cedric, and uh, he's finally reached the top of his game. You know, no bigger place to do it at WrestleMania. But like I say, the Cruiserweight Championship maybe been a bit tarnished as of late. And Cedric's there to kind of restore its legacy. You know, can he become a great Cruiserweight Champion like a Rey Mysterio? Maybe is there a possibility? That's when I when I think of cruiserweights, I think it'd be like Rey Mysterio or Psychosis or people like Juventud Guerrero. But then you know you could have cruiserweights like you know like Chris Jericho, who's a cruiserweight for a long time. Exactly. And look what he progressed into the first ever uh, Chris Jericho, who was the first ever undisputed champion. Exactly. No, I completely agree because that's what how I see Buddy Murphy. <laughs> exactly like that. You know, we talk about greats. He's no Chris Jericho. I don't know. If Cedric can be a great in himself, but I think. Buddy Murphy, they definitely could. I think there's, like I said, a lot of potential. And Cedric's showing off. And that might not be a great idea to do to Buddy because he can move in this thing as well. Cedric with a leapfrog didn't get caught by Murphy. Well, he's doing really well to avoid Murphy's onslaught. Yeah. When he head scissors Murphy out the ring. Looking to go flying. Oh, Murphy, he dodged his head. Cedric dives around. Oh, and I think Cedric is starting to... Getting the head of Murphy, he's getting him the one-upmanship. Is he going to get him frustrated so Murphy makes a mistake? I don't think there's a possibility there. I think Murphy might be a bit overconfident in this one because he think, feels he's got a little bit more experience than Cedric. Yeah, I think that could come into play as well. But Murphy does want to try and... He needs his own, like I said, he needs his own game plan to beat Cedric. He can't go copying what Alexander is doing. You won't beat Alexander for move. Murphy needs to put his own uh, state of play in there and come across there. It, I think with Murphy as well, he's there trying to impress us. You know, like the way he moves in the ring, he wants to show that he can go with an Alexander. And I think if he was to concentrate on his own game, what he does, a bit like Drew Gulak, I think he might be a champion there and then he could have his own success in that way. Maybe in this match, it might be the difference between these two. We've seen Cedric put everything on the line before. Delivers a thunderous step up in Seguri. Murphy's reeling on the floor. Murphy's in a little bit of trouble. Here comes Cedric. Baseball slide. Holding on to that top rope. Kicking Murphy into the announce table. Now is he going to go flying? And here comes the Cruiserweight champion. Suicide dive. <laughs> Sends Murphy bouncing across the announce table. Well, Nigel dodged for cover. And I think Percy and Vic are all right as well. It may be Murphy's law, but it's certainly Cedric the Great. Well, he's in his home state. He's cruiserweight champ. Can't get any bigger or better at this moment. He's been on top of this match. And now he's got Murphy on top of the announce table. Oh, now that you mention he's in his home state, he's going to lose. <laughs> oh, that is always a possibility. And Murphy throws Cedric on the announce table. And drops him back first onto the hard part of the apron. Sends him upside down into Barry Cade and then crash into the wafer thin mats below. And just like that, three moves. Cedric's been on top this match, and it was three moves. Murphy is straight back into it. You wouldn't have thought Murphy's been in a match yet. Don't look to be injured or carrying any slowness. Well, he looks in great condition, though. Oh, Murphy, another boot to Cedric's back. <laughs> Wailing away, go for the cover. Cedric getting the shot off at two. Two. This is a turning point of this match, James. I mean, it could go anyway. But I think it's going to go Cedric Alexander's way. He's just lulling Murphy in to a false sense of security. And now Murphy beating down Cedric in the corner. Going to go for the Irish whip. And the power of Murphy compels you. And Cedric hits that turnbuckle with full force. And now Murphy 
was in control. Alexander fought out that submission, went to the outside, going to go springboarding in. Orba gets caught with a heel kick from Murphy. And Murphy goes to the cover, but Alexander kicking out. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. And the impact there. The double knees to the back of Cedric. And no, not Tony knees. And now, come running in. Oh, but runs into a super kick from Alexander. Knocks Murphy down to the mat. And we are forgetting, James, this is for the Cruiserweight title. Big stiff shots to the head. Murphy looking for a big kick. Alexander catching it. Oh, Cedric now avoiding the slaps as well. Oh, and hits a big spinning back elbow. Oh, maybe trying to go for the handspring, but Murphy grabbed hold of the trunks. Well, he was stopped in his tracks, but a couple of kicks certainly uh, got the separation he wanted. Oh, and just flying over the top rope, taking out Murphy. Now Cedric throws him in. Maybe he feels it's a chance to put him away. Big elbow off the top. Oh, but Murphy managing to kick out. Oh. This is awesome chant ringing out through the crowd. Are they correcting this one, James? Or is it just the same crowd that was doing the This Is a match when we was in London? Yeah, and I mocked them for it. Uh, again, no, this is not awesome. I don't think it's good, but it needs to kind of get to the next gear change, as it were, if it wants to be classed as awesome. I don't think it's reached the level of even Ali versus Murphy yet, so... We'll see what happens to Cedric looking to put away Buddy. Buddy throws Cedric on the apron. As Alexander comes back into the ring, Murphy with his miraculous recovery skills delivered a kick, sending Alexander to the outside. Oh, my God. He nearly missed his target there. I think he got some of Cedric, but just a kind of leap. He landed in the announce table. Yeah, well, Murphy hit the table hard. Nearly kneed himself in the jaw. <laughs> That'd have been funny. And then he throws Cedric in. And now he can see himself as champion as he's on the top. Murphy's gone a bit dead weight. But Alexander's managing to pick him up. He might be playing possum. Hello, possums. And Lombard check. No, Murphy holding on. Goes dead weight. Alexander's back certainly playing up. That's what Murphy's been working on the majority of this match. And now he's got Murphy. Oh, Murphy flipping out of it though. Beautiful, lands on his feet and responds with a big boot. Alexander comes running in. Murphy blocks it, kick to the head. And now suplex, running suplex. Hits it, goes for the cover. Two. Oh, Alexander managing to kick out. And now Buddy Murphy's going to look to suplex Cedric on the apron. No, Cedric lands in the ring. Oh. Enseguri's Murphy knocks him for six. Well, now what Cedric got planned. Oh! Fucking hell. Plants Murphy head first onto the outside of the ring apron. Well, Murphy's out. Of the we, ring. We don't, we don't need to sell at this moment in time because he, he, I think he's legitimately knocked out. Oh, both men just about to get counted out. But just before the count of... Um, Ten. They got it at nine. And now they both stare at each other and say, what's it going to take to beat you? I think they've learned. They've had a kind of mutual respect in this one. Might well, not like I think each other. all respect has gone for Cedric Alexander. He's got that look on his face, as if he wants to bite Murphy's head off and shit down his neck. Yeah, I know, but you, you don't have to like him to respect him. Well, it goes with me. I respect you. I don't like you <laughs> exactly, and I neither like or respect you. And Cedric springboard. Murphy catches him low, backslide, picks him up. What the fuck is he trying here? 
Oh! oh. Plants Alexander with a DDT. One, two. Oh! oh but Alexander managing to kick out. Oh. Is that like a variation of the um, Murphy's Law? Well, it was kind of like... Um, oh, it was going razor's edge into a DDT, wasn't it? Yeah. And now both men down. Maybe that was Murphy's best shot. And now Buddy Murphy up the second rope, looking over, and on the other side... Cedric Alexander looking back at him. And what way will this go? One last chance. They run into each other. And oh, here we and go. These two guys wailing away at each other's heads. Alexander gets the upper hand. No. Murphy blocking it, delivering a few kicks of his own. Beautiful combination. Stomp kick, but oh, misses that one. Step up in Seguri. Oh, double shot then. Big upper cut from Alexander. Oh, my God, Murphy with a knee to the face of Cedric. This is it. One, One two. two. Oh. Alexander just managing to get his shoulder up at two. Two. Murphy getting frustrated. And now Murphy. It's going to be Murphy's Law and Murphy's Cruiserweight Championship. If he can hit this. Here we go. Gets him up. Oh, Alexander rolls through. Two. Oh, but Murphy managing to kick out. Ah, catches Cedric's leg. Turns him back round. Powerbomb. And Cedric springs up. Oh. Gets caught with a knee. I think it knocked a tooth out of his face. Two. Three. Oh, no. Cedric Alexander again managing to kick out. Ah. And Murphy can't believe himself. Well, I think with Cedric then, that was just pure instinct. There's no way he could get the shoulder up there. I think the next move is going to put Alexander away. And throw Cedric. Cedric springboards. Catch him with a lovely kick to the face. And now he's looking at Murphy thinking, right, is this my time? Springboard oh. kick turns Murphy inside out. Literally. He picks him up down. to his feet. Oh. Bang. Lumbar check. Two. Two three. Wow. Damn it. But what a great match that was, though, Dan. Was it awesome? Yeah, well, Ollie, I don't know if it was, I think you got to say it's probably the best match we saw 205 Live this month, to be fair. Well, we've seen three out of four bloody brilliant main events on 205 Live. And unfortunately, we were at the other ones. So. And we were at the one that was disappointing, <laughs> unfortunately. But, uh, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. But yeah. certainly well-deserved by Cedric Alexander. Murphy put up a good fight, but I'm glad, you know, not because you're a fan of his, but I'm glad he's lost because he hasn't got that weighing him down. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair enough. And I think both men look great on that, and I would love to see a series of matches between these two if this is what we were to get. I mean, it really was... Uh, they pulled it out here tonight, and I didn't know I didn't know if they could do it or not, but they're really, really impressive by Murphy Alexander. But, but, do you, but do you think someone else should get a shot now, as we was you know discussing previously in this podcast? I know, I don't know. I I want Murphy to get another opportunity now, but I would like to see a list of potential challengers behind him, so then we know what the future is going to be. You know what I mean? Have planning. Say what right this time to WrestleMania. This is what how we want to go about it, and know what stars you're going to use and stuff like this. It needs to have a more kind of rather than like a month by month basis a more longer term plan and hopefully they can put that into place and I think some of the other questions that are asked about 205 Live as well so it'll be interesting I wouldn't mind someone challenging Alexander and then Murphy getting another shot afterwards I think that would be cool but I think out of paper most definitely if they give I don't know if they're going to give them this amount of time you know but it just proves when they do how good it is isn't it you know 
Most definitely, yeah. Well, as you know, as we say, with the the three great main events that we've seen, they've all been given twenty, twenty plus minutes, and you know, it's it's kind of slow burn into something great. You know, there's been a few good spots, a few this is awesome moments. You know, it's it's been absolutely perfect, and you know, I hate to say it, but Murphy's been in two of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I I, uh, I, I got to agree, and I think two hundred five live has been great this month so it's going to be difficult when we choose the winner between 205 and NXT uh, what it's going to be because like I said they've really really delivered well it depends how much Adam Cole is in NXT (laughs) yeah we'll find out in a bit but up next it's news news Dan he's back (laughs) well thankfully it's not in a WWE ring that is all I can say but I, I did send you the link to his rap video. Did you listen to it? Of course I did. I, got, I, I listened to the first four, about 40 seconds of that. Yeah. And the amount of times he says fuck or shit or swears, I was just like, this bloke is a complete fucking dick. And I turned it off. He reminded I, I me. I deleted YouTube from my phone because he <laughs> spot it. Well, I listened back to it. And he, re- you know, he reminded me of someone, someone that says fucking shit and bollocks a lot. And, you know, he, he did remind me of someone. I won't say who. Uh, but I listened to it, of course, I pre-ordered the album uh, for you to do. And of course, I mean, let's talk about a little story, because Enzo did make a tweet, uh, tweeted out that he had a kind of big announcement coming. He had, uh, you know, the, the whole rape thing now has got gone aside, and Enzo had a big announcement to make. Well, can I, can I just say, the, the beginning of the track says, Listen up, you sloppy jalopy son of a bitch. Sitting on your fucking couch with your fucking phone in your hand, doing your armchair detective work, thinking you know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Oh, and I understand it. And he, he, like I say, he's hitting out at the rape accuser, he's hitting out at WWE and everybody else. He continues to hit out at critics and appears to praise those supporters who stood by him late when the track. You're, you're the one of the supporters. Dan Warren, Enzo Mori t shirt out of support for. Uh, Enzo, I should say, I guess he's not going by Enzo more. He's the real one on Twitter if you want to follow him. Uh, Eric Arndt, I suppose. Well, he aren't going anywhere with fucking lyrics like that. Other lyrics, he raps, They cry tears of joy at my funeral, Still I rise from the ashes like a phoenix, Middle finger to the sky, Gripping my consensual penis. You see what he did there? When I say that shit, I mean it. Fuck you, Marks, for hating. This, for all my fans waiting, entertainment's hottest free agent, bitch, I'm reincarnated. Exactly. So, you know, Amore appeared at a self-promoted rally in Times Square on Monday. He's really been working on screenplays in Hollywood, as well as more songs. Yeah! When quizzed on his return to wrestling, Amore said, I think that my fans who supported me and always did, I owe them a bit of gratitude. He does owe you gratitude, Dan. He does owe you gratitude. <sighs> And if it weren't for him, it would never exist in his business. So if it weren't for you sticking by him from day one, he would have never been around. So And, and I'll tell you something as well. At the New York thing, there seemed to be a couple of thousand people there as well. And I'm not saying, about it, you know, but we saw it at Raw, a couple of his fans. So there are people who still like the Enzo Amore character. So sometimes it doesn't matter what you do in wrestling, you know. Yes, and I know people that still listen to Gary Glitter songs, but are they paedophiles? Probably. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we move on to the Iconics. Yes, and Billy Kay and Peyton Royce have only been part of WWE's main roster for a couple of months, 
but WWE already have big plans for the SmackDown duo. Well, the Iconics merchandise is currently shifting that rate far beyond expectations, and that the company are looking to cash in on this by handing the tandem a major push. Major push. The Iconics currently have just signed... Uh, <coughs> wait, 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 wait for it. The Iconics currently have just a single T-shirt, an art print, and a framed photograph for sale in the WWE shop. They've already been established as a nuisance in the SmackDown women's division, but have gained little traction between them, between the ropes, amassing just one win between them. Now that could all be about to change. Well, WWE officials see Kay and Royce as an updated version of Lay Cool, who Divas champion for a spell in 2010. The Iconics both signed with WWE in 2015 and were named NXT's Breakout of the Year in 2016. They were on developmental TV consistently until late 2017 before Royce appeared in the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal ahead of her and Kay's SmackDown debut two days later. Yeah, so, I mean, are you going to be happy if the Iconics are pushed down? Do you think they're worthy of it? <sighs> I think there's women that are more worthy of it, but... You know, if 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 they're doing well and getting, are they only getting the push because they're selling merch? Well, yeah, I think that's part of the point. But isn't that if the fans like them? Do you know what I mean? Shouldn't they do that? You know, like I say, if they're popular with, with merchandise and stuff. And I think Billy Kane Payne Ross have got something about them. We saw that in NXT. That's too bad. It's just a shame people like Becky Lynch and you know Naomi and people like this keep getting passed over. But maybe there's a chance for them all to kind of work together in perfect harmony. Well, our next podcast is the CM Punk Best in the World podcast that we're going to do. We'll watch uh, loads of his matches and, of course, talk about the man himself. But the big news story this week has, of course, been CM Punk's trial. And we're going to look at day one, two and three from the CM Punk trial uh, and just talk about everything that's happening. Now, anybody that doesn't know why there was an actual lawsuit happening... um, the reason being is kind of CM Punk blamed WWE for uh, the kind of injuries that he sustained there not being looked after properly. Uh, so WWE, you know, decided to file a lawsuit for... Uh, well, we'll read into it anyway. I've, I've, as noted, the libel and slander jury trial with WWE's Dr. Chris Annan versus CM Punk and Colt Cabana began today in Cook County, Illinois. Armin is seeking $1 million in compen- uh, compensatory damages and an undetermined amount of pun- of other damages. Punitive. The- punitive damages for the comments Punk made about him during an appearance on Colt's Art of Wrestling podcast months after his WWE release in 2014. The trial began this morning with a man who remains employed by WWE testifying on his own behalf. PW Insider notes that a man came off as a sh- as short and curt. PW Insider notes that a man came off as short and curt during his testimony. It was also read. It was also said that a man looked like he was getting upset while recounting the situation. Situation, as he discussed the large number of comments made about him online, mostly criticizing him because of Punk's comments. The jury heard the entire episode of Art Wrestling podcast that was released in November 2014 with Punk. The two sides will be back in court tomorrow as Armin is scheduled to be cross-examined by the attorneys for the Punk for Punk and Cabana. 
Chicago Tribune reporter Gregory Pratt was in attendance for some of today's testimony and noted that a man disputed Punk's claim about how a man failed to treat him correctly. A man also read some of the tweets that called for him to be fired and some of the news stories covering the podcast. Pratt noted there's no word yet on how long the trial might last, but they were being thorough in presenting the case. Well, Pratt wrote that Punk seemed visibly amused, chuckling here and there at some of the over-the-top things that were said during the podcast, such as Cabana saying, fuck you to people who might call next week with abrasive questions. Pratt made it clear that Punk was mostly serious and attentive, but there were moments where some of the wrestling talk was over-the-top or the aforementioned comment that he seemed amused by. Well, Pratt, Punk, who was wearing a nice suit, looked good and fit ahead of his return to the Octagon at UFC 225 next weekend in Chicago against Mike Jackson. Right, so on day two of the trial, WWE timekeeper <laughs> Mark Yeaton testified and how the matches are orchestrated on these shows. Yeaton disputed the popular belief that WWE referees have microphones that communicate backstage during matches. He then revealed only the only time that referees have microphones on them is during a particular given match, a false count anywhere. Instead, it's the timekeeper who has de- direct communication with Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn who are running things backstage. The timekeeper communicates with the referees through hand signals. WWE referee John Cone, the Raw Tag Team Champion Nicholas, also testified and provided insight into the actual hand signals used between referees and timekeepers to communicate. Cone noted that yes is a closed fist, no is a shake of the head, and of course everyone knows the dreaded X symbol for the legitimate injuries. Well, when asked what happens if the X sign is thrown up, Yeeting revealed that if a referee gives a signal, the timekeeper's job is, sure, is to make sure the camera isn't filming the injury. He also gets into direct communication with the referee to determine what happens next. Well, this could mean anything from deciding to finish the match early if the injured party can't, can compete or cancel the match right on the spot. So that was day two. Two. And then day three. Well, video testimony played in court in Thursday morning painting a picture of an injured CM Punk who was angered by his early elimination for the 2014 Royal Rumble. According to sources, taped interviews featuring Kane, referee John Cone, athletic trainer Larry Heck and audio technician Timothy Gainegg kicked off day three of the libel trial pitting Punk and co-defendant Colt Cabana against WWE's Dr. Chris Aman. Well, the testimony centred around Punk's concussion in the Royal Rumble and the chaos that ensued in the moments following the injury. Kane recalled illegally eliminating Punk from the event, a phrase that got a chuckle from Punk inside the courtroom, and said the elimination was planned, but for later in the match. Kane recalled producers in the back telling him to let Punk know he needed to stay down and that Kane would be coming out to eliminate him. The ref said Punk responded, If you make me leave this fucking match, I'll fucking quit right now. Kane said after repeating the order, Punk pie-faced him. It's worth noting Punk quit the company the next day. Heck, a 17-year medical veteran of WWE, testified that a man said Punk had been concussed in the match. Following the elimination, Heck said he witnessed Punk cuss people out backstage and then leave. Heck recalled Punk being mad. The finish of the match was changed. Well, after a video, uh, Kane, Heck and Kane testified that they weren't aware of a lump or infection on Punk's lower back. After the videos played, court broke for lunch. During the testimony on Wednesday, Dr. Aman was on the stand discussing text messages between he and Punk, how he disclosed Punk's medical issues to others and emotional damage he says he's been caused. 
by the podcast. Well, the trial got started on Tuesday following jury selection proceedings that expect to last a week. We'll bring you the rest of the action on the court case on the CM Punk special as well. Uh, that is punk. So we move on to TV deals. Um, prior to agreeing to a landmark television deal worth over $1 billion this month, a Fox is... A what? A... <laughs> <laughs> excuse, <laughs> me? excuse me. It's a Fox executive it is. Reportedly questioned NBC Universe's commitment to WWE programming during a meeting. According to Marisa Guthrie of The Hollywood Reporter, 21st Century Fox executive co-chairman Rupert Murdoch told WWE Chief Brand Officer Stephanie McMahon, NBCU is embarrassed by your product. Per Guthrie, Fox and WWE agreed a five-year, $1.025 billion deal to air SmackDown Live beginning 2019. Meanwhile, WWE and NBC Universal came to terms on a $265 million per year deal to keep Raw on the USA Network. Both deals are expected to be finalised soon. SmackDown has been under the NBC Universal umbrella since 2010 when it moved from My Network TV to Sci-Fi and it has aired on USA Network since 2016. Well, Raw has aired on USA Network from largest its entire existence since 1993 with the exception of a five-year run on TNN and, and Spike TV from 2000 and in 2005. So people are talking, did the WWE Network kill the way wrestling was no i mean these are the biggest deals that wwe have ever had for television you talk about the state of the product people say it's not the best thing right now this is the biggest thing and fox is a serious network as well to have this stuff on there they said they're more than happy to embrace the brand to have it involved in other stuff like the nfl and to have maybe like a a, on you know in stage like um uh, like a, a highlight program every night as well, you know, in studio. So there's a lot of potential there for WWE. So, I mean, and just Raw and SmackDown both making a billion dollars each. That's quite incredible when you think about it, really. Isn't that it, is right? very incredible, yeah. No incredible things done title reign. Yes, WWE updated their list of current longest reigning champions. Of course, Brock Lesnar, because he is currently holding the Universal title at six hundred. Uh, at 416 days. But Pete Dunne isn't too far behind with 368 days and counting. When Pete Dunne saw the list, he didn't have much to say about AJ Styles, who only held his W Championship for 197 days at this point. But he certainly seemed to be interested in a match against Brock Lesnar, which could have tremendous potential. Although it's unlikely, it's nice to know at least Pete Dunne is up for the challenge of taking on Brock Lesnar if WWE decides they ever want to book this dream match. And when I saw this, I thought, fucking hell, Pete Dunne's been champion for a year and it's kind of gone unnoticed, doesn't it? You know, in the kind of entire WWE, I was like, shit, was that last year against Tyler Bate and he's not lost it since. So I think it, it's... It speaks well of Pete Dunne, and he's been involved in NXT recently, hasn't he? So Yes, and unlike Brock Lesnar, he's actually defending his title, and yeah. he's actually appearing on telly. <laughs> yeah. So now we're going to talk about the WWE Draft, because back in April, following WrestleMania 34, we had their 12th draft. The 2018 Superstar Shake-Up took place across both Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live as a number of wrestlers switched brands. The high-profile moves included United States champion Jinder Mahal, Drafted to Raw before he lost, lost that title to Jeff Hardy, who went to SmackDown Live a day later. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn also switched from the blue brand to red after being fired by Commissioner Shane McMahon and failing to beat him for their place on SmackDown Live. At the Miz was once again moved around as he left Raw and was joined by likes of Samoa Joe, Oscar and Absolution. 
and we get some NXT call-ups as well as drafting superstars between brands. The WWE Draft also presents an opportunity to call up performers from NXT. And last month, that's exactly what happened. The most exciting talent to appear on the main roster so far has been Drew McIntyre. The Scott made a jump up from the developmental to form a devastating partnership with Dolph Ziggler. But he's not the only person that was called up. Andrade Cien Almas and his manager Zelina Vega made their debuts on SmackDown Live. And the former NXT champion looks very much at home. Well, two NXT tag teams were also called up in April. The Authors of Pain made their debuts the night after WrestleMania joining the Raw roster. A week later, Sanity became part of the SmackDown Live as part of the shake-up. However, since their call-ups, neither Authors of Pain or Sanity have really been featured on WWE TV. A calm and Razor have been seen twice in Raw, while Eric Young, Alexander Wolfe and Killian Dane haven't actually been in a SmackDown Live ring at all. Both Authors of Pain and Sanity were two of the most exciting teams in NXT. So it's very odd that neither have been involved on the main roster. But according to Dave Meltzer, there's a reason for that. He reported in the Wrestling Observer Live that the reason neither had been used on television is because WWE don't have anything for them creatively at the moment. So because of that, both AOP and Sanity are being kept off TV for the time being. Well, it's understandable that as WWE are building towards Money in the Bank, a focus will be put on singles competitors rather than tag teams. But following the pay-per-view in June, fans will be expecting to see both AOP and Sanity regularly feature on Raw and SmackDown because they've waited long enough. Yeah, and we, it was what we talked about when we saw Offers of Pain, didn't we, on main event, and saying when they're going to have a chance, are they just waiting until the kind of uh, hype for Money in the Bank down and they can build towards SummerSlam, maybe? Well, we get some arrivals, and in an interview with WWE.com, the newest WWE Performance Center arrivals, Jessamine Duke and Marina Sha- Shafir, took shots at Sasha Banks, Bailey, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch, the four horsewomen of WWE. Duke and Shafir, along with Shania Baszler and Ronda Rousey, are the four horsewomen of MMA. Yeah, Duke said, I think you mean the four horsewomen, not the four horsewomen, because that's us. So if they want to keep pushing that, that's fine. But like I said, that training, now that we're here, I think it's all going to end up somewhere. Low Shirai. Low Shirai? Low Shirai, Shirai. Now, Low Shirai, Dave Meltzer's comments in the latest issue of the Wrestling Observer suggests that subject to passing her medical with the company, former stardom standout Low Shirai, Shirai, will debut in WWE later this summer. Well, she had previously been offered a contract in May 2017, but an ongoing heart troubles forced her to think uh, forced a rethink on WWE's end and they rescinded the deal in June. By late August, she was back in stardom, a promotion she considered home. She has a rich history of working with current NXT starlet Kari Sane in Japan and according to Meltzer, it was actually Shari who WWE were most interested in when they contracted both about tryouts in October 2016. After seeing how popular Sane has become in WWE, her one-time peer in stardom fancies giving North America another go. And shortly after WWE took their initial deal off the table, she attended the promotion's house show at Sumo Hall in Tokyo. There, as an on-screen promo by Sane left her in tears because she reportedly realised that she could have been involved. Well, she's nonetheless expected to start working for WWE by mid-July. And another rival, Tony Storm. We have an update on independent star Tony Storm, potentially signed with WWE via Dave Meltzer in a Wrestling Observer newsletter. Yeah, well, she famously took part in the May Young Classic last year, ultimately coming up short when she wasn't signed to WWE after the tournament. Many thought she would never appear in a WWE 
But that may be about to change. Storm, a New Zealand native, appears to have signed with WWE. Her new deal is not for the next May Young Classic itself, but a UK deal, similar to that of the UK Championship competitors. This contract means that Storm can compete with other promotions, but any time WWE calls her for calls for her to compete with them, they take priority. This is the same deal for other talents such as Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, Wolfgang, Tyler Bate and... We've noticed that Storm is listed on advertisements for the upcoming UK Championship Tournament, so we expect that she'll be there in some fashion over the coming weeks. Well, now while we mentioned Storm hasn't signed solely for the Mae Young Classic, expected that she'll be, in the comp- she'll be competing in the second annual tournament this year alongside returning stars Piper Niven and Lacey Evans. Yeah! Who's currently feuding with former winner Kari Sane down in NXT. Injuries. Well, I tell you what, this has become now injuries. It's kind of an update on what Dean Ambrose does every month, but he's got a new haircut, Dan. I knew you'd be excited. Oh, I know. I've seen him. I've seen him. You've seen the haircut. Right, so we don't need to talk about it. He was there with Renee Young. Uh, she took a couple of pictures and the camera obviously found him. He, I saw the Instagram, whatever he did, the video. He looked so pissed off that like she was taking videos. It was quite funny. But uh, Dean Ambrose still leads WWE in an impressive stat, despite not having no matches in 2018. Don't tell me he still wrestled more matches in 2018 than Brock Lesnar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, many WWE fans know that Dean Ambrose is one of the most hardest-working superstars in the company, but he surprisingly still holds an impressive record, an impressive WWE record, not having stepped foot in the ring at all in 2018. The lunatic fringe is one of the most popular superstars in the WWE today, but he's, not, he's been out of action since December last year after suffering a triceps injury which required surgery. Reports have stated at the time that it would take Ambrose nine months to return to the ring, which would mean the earliest he can make a comeback is September later this year. Well, despite him being out for five months now, the former WWE champion still holds an impressive WWE record because he still leads in matches wrestled from January 1st, 2015 to May 25th, 2018. Well, he certainly is a workhorse. And Ambrose has wrestled 586 matches across the almost three-and-a-half-year period, despite not stepping between the ropes for a match this year. His shield brother, Roman Reigns, is second on the list with 573 matches and will likely overtake him in the next week. Well, elsewhere on the list, Charlotte Flair is the highest female superstar with 512 matches over the almost three-and-a-half-year period, while Ambrose's other shield brother, Seth Rollins, have wrestled the most matches so far in 2018 with 66. And we get brand-split benefits. Credit where credit is due, though. Ambrose's high volume of matches shows the great work ethic he has. He's only 24 matches away from averaging 200 matches a year, which is a crazy amount in the brand-split era. Well, the fact that no superstar worked over 200 matches in 2017 just shows how effective the brand split has been. It has reduced the workload of each superstar, which in turn puts less pressure on superstars and reduces the risk of injury, making sure WWE can put the best product on each and every show. Overuse of superstars can certainly increase the risk of injuries, so it's good to see WWE has been reducing the number of matches each superstar has over recent years, putting the brand split to good use. Yeah. So that's a good thing, but it's quite incredible that Ambrose, like I said, not rest of 2018, but still leads with matches. But now it's time, Dan, and uh, when does NXT updates start? Now! I'm taking back what's mine, I ain't giving in to what they tell me. 
So it's our favourite time of the month, and it is NXT update, and we start off with episode 448, May 9th. And straight to the opening theme, then the one and only is here. Street clothes, Ricochet enters full sail, heads to the ring and grabs a mic. Everywhere he's been around the world, he's always wanted to make sure everyone remembers him. And he made it his mission, WrestleMania weekend, to make sure everyone was talking about him. NXT is about taking over and to take over NXT. You can call him confident or cocky, but every time he steps into the ring, he proves there's only one and only Ricochet. Now, there's only one thing on his mind. He replies to a fan who heckles him about his high water cut trousers and said, no, it's not socks. The NXT Championship. Well, he's cut off by Velveteen Dream saying, no, 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 no. Dream wants to know who gave him the authority to come out here talking about title opportunities. Ricochet talks about taking over. Velveteen Dream needs him to take a step back. He questions Ricochet's catchphrases, the one and only, and I make this look good. He admits Ricochet makes it look good, but there's only one, there's only one and only experience, the Velveteen Dream. And no matter how Ricochet flips or flops in the ring, he better land in the back of the line behind Dream. Ricochet gets it. He's a new guy around here, but he knows the dream. He made the entire NXT universe say his name. He made the current NXT champ say his name. But he might not remember that because it was right after Alex the Black kicked his head off. Ricochet is here to steal Dream's show and his spotlight. Velveteen Dream says anything Ricochet can do, he can do better. Well, and Ricochet says, prove it. Yeah, and they've just dropped their mics. So we're going to find out what happens now between these two. I mean, I'm a fan of the Dream. I'm not going to lie. I do like Ricochet, but the Dream has been there and proved it in NXT. He's taken off his chain. Well, he's going to go hit Ricochet. And, oh, Ricochet winks at him. <laughs> the Dream's slowly getting out of the ring. Wow. So, I think we're going to see a confrontation down the road between Velveteen... Velveteen Dream and Ricochet. Is that something you want to see? As being a fan of Ricochet, Dan? I'd very much like to see that. We know what Alice, uh, we know what Velveteen Dream can do in the ring, and we know what Ricochet can do in the ring. So seeing these two combustible elements combined, it's going to be a big explosion. Yeah. Well, Mara Avenalo and Percy Watson run down the men's single matches announced for tonight's card. Then it's a commercial for NXT Download. Yes, we come back from the commercial, and it is Raul Mendoza. Going against some local competitor known as Ethan Carter Third. Yeah, EC3 is in action in NXT. And, well, EC3's been getting a bit of praise. I think John Cena said he'd like to wrestle against EC3. And that, who, what, what, is there a higher compliment out there at this moment? But he's him on the ramp. He puts over his scientist mind and... Deity's body. He won't stop until he picks up win after win after win and rebrands this place from NXT to NX3. He's the best here, the best there, the best anywhere. And who can... Uh... <laughs> stolen Bret Hart's line. <coughs> Where? Where has he stolen that the one? The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. That's the best here, best there, best anywhere. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, it's... it is. No, it's not. It's EC3, Dan. Copyright infringement. That again, you're, you're being negative on my men, right? My people that I chose. You did it with Buddy Murphy, and now you're doing it with a future NXT I'm champion, just being EC3. the controversial side. You see EC3 through rose-tinted glasses. I, I I'm d- just telling you... 
how it is. Does he look like a superstar or not? Look at the way he looks. Look at the way he acts. Yeah, but Raul Mendoza looks like a superstar. Well, Raul Mendoza, credit to him, was in the Cruiserweight Classic, so I'm not going to disrespect him too much, but EC3 is just a different level of uh, opponent, and being in NXT, he wants to make a point, like I say, we're going to see, you know, Goldberg's and Oscar's winning streaks are great, but EC3 is going to do something that even they couldn't do, you know, like, he's going to create his own legacy here <laughs> in NXT and WWE. <laughs> Mendoza, <laughs> Mendoza managing to dodge EC3's offense so far. A hurricane runner! Oh, but EC3 throws Mendoza back in the corner. Now look at these shoulder blocks. But a chiseled EC3. Irish whip. Oh, wow. But Mendoza's running circles around EC3. Has him rocked. Springboard off the top rope. Lovely drop kick. Come on, EC3. It's all right. Mendoza, this is Mendoza's biggest match of all time. To be in there with someone like EC3. Now look at that. See, he's a heavyweight taking on a cruiserweight. Ricochet's a cruiserweight and he's going to challenge a heavyweight in Velveteen Dream. That's just the difference between these two guys. Well, EC3 now is stomping a mud hole and walking it dry on Raul Mendoza. Look at the aggressive nature. Saying that Ricochet hasn't got is that aggressive side which will take someone uh, a long way. And look at EC3. You can see it there. And like you said, Dad, Ricochet is just a cruiserweight whereas EC3... Looks like a main eventer. And a clothesline there folds Mendoza inside out. Well, we'll see when Ricochet beats EC3. We shall see, shan't we? You know, we, we had this conversation about Nakamura and Rude, and look what happened. Apples and oranges. EC3 now. Snapmare and a beautiful net breaker. And maybe it's going to be too easy for in, in NX3 for, every, you know, for EC3. I didn't know he'd be this dominant so early on, you know. Yeah, he's going against Mendoza, who's got a, a big reputation behind him. Yeah, and like you said, he looks like a WWE superstar, but he's not doing too well against EC3 in this one. All right, maybe I spoke too soon. Go on, Raul. Finish him. <laughs> well, nice uh, insecurity there, but EC3 sends Mendoza into the top turnbuckle. A running knee lift from EC3. Hits the 1% into the cocky ca- cover, gets the job done. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the future NXT in EC3 right here. Now, jump on the bandwagon because this guy is going to get the rocket strapped to him and all the way to the top. Uh, What a great way, what a great match to start off NXT. Dan, how excited are you about EC3, eh? Um, It varies from not at all and maybe just a little bit. Just, Just... Just a little bit. <laughs> just, just, just a little bit. It's more than you had for Bobby Roode. So I'll it, I'm, I'm more excited than I was for Enzo's music track. <laughs> but less excited than I am to see Dakota Kai versus Vanessa Bourne. Well, we'll get on to that in a minute. But first up, let's talk about two guys you do like. Only Lorcan and Danny Birch. Because they catch up with Pete Dunne in the back. They let him know they still don't like him, but they have a mutual problem with the Undisputed Era. They point out the numbers and the UK champ nods when Birch says an alliance would make it free on free. They go their separate ways. Team UK. And only. Mm. And up next it is Dakota Kai uh, versus Vanessa Bourne. A quick drop kick from Kai, but Bourne dodges the follow-up Kaio kick and throws her to the mat. Kicks are followed by a swinging net breaker for two. Two. Dakota gets out of a rest hold with an arm drag. 
She kicks her way back into control. Big boot running near in the corner. Then the Kaio kick connects. That's it, except the finisher. So Kaio's been scared of uh, Basler these past few weeks, but she's a good competitor in her own right, being May Young Classic. Oh, very impressive. That weren't too bad, was it? Kai. Yeah, weren't bad by Kai. The code breaker, but a different variant. Jumps over and then kind of just lands on their back, which I suppose, you know, quite a dangerous way to take it, but Kai gets the victory. And then Shania Basler's music hits, and Kai's paralysed. So here comes Basler, the most dangerous woman in WWE. Coming out here, NXT Women's Champion. And she's smirking at Kai. No, James, she just looks like a man. You are horrible to Shania Basler, do you know that? She would beat the piss out of you if she heard you say that. Let's hope she doesn't. She is the Kyle O'Reilly scale of handsomeness. Well, she's in here now, in her ring. Kai, just looking at Kai. Uh-oh, Vanessa Vaughn's getting to her feet. And look at this. She's got the Kirifuda clutching, choking out Bourne. And Kai's not doing anything about it. And Kai's just too scared. Come on, Kai, do something. Basler just stare. And how imposing is that by Basler? She owns the women's division in NXT. Fair play, Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai, no. Fair play, Shania Basler. So Basler there stares at Dakota Kai and says, I own you and I own the women's division. Kelly is waiting for Kai backstage and she asks why Basler is so successful with mind games against her. Dakota says she doesn't know why. Then Shayna comes through the curtain, daring the captain of Team Kick to kick her. Kai shrinks again and Basler leaves. The camera pans back as we hear laughter. And Nikki Cross is hanging off the scaffolding, enjoying the scene. Oh, so Nikki Cross watching on like the sting of NXT, seeing what Basler is doing to the women's division. But up next, we've got a quite a massive... A huge tag team match, if you were. It's Heavy Machinery versus the War Raiders. And this is what we wanted to talk about. Two big teams in NXT going to go at it. And Dozovic looks like he's going to start along with Rowe. Hansen. Hansen's a big man. Hi, big man. <laughs> God, Dozovic. Well, who are you backing? I think it's a silly question. Who are you backing in this one? I'm backing the Heavy Machinery. Uh, I've got to be saying Raw Raiders. Oh, my God. We started off with Slugfest. More like Fridge Raiders. <laughs> oh, Hanson. That's good. Hanson's in there with Tucker Knight. Dozovic with Roe. War Raiders looking at each other. Uh-oh. They've turned it around. Go on, Otis. And now Irish whip attempt Roe. Oh, my word. Well, Roe's thrown into Do- uh, Tucker Knight. Yeah, Dozovic just drop kicked there by Roe. And now they're going to the corner. Hansen gets the tag in. Oh, Irish whipped into Dozovic, squashing him in the corner. Oh, my God. Now Roe picks up Hansen. <laughs> oh, and throws him back first into Dozovic. <clears throat> well, the heavy machinery getting outgunned here by the War Raiders. Another quick tag. Roe no fro- fro- throws Dozovic into Hansen. Then him back into Roe with a kick. Quick tags by War Raiders. And Dozovic, I don't think, knows what hit him. <coughs> Irish rip. No, Dozovic lifts Hansen, throws him over his shoulder. Very impressive from the big man. And now can Dozovic, he's got separation. Can he get the tag, the hot tag, to Tucker Knight? First time we've seen uh, Wolverine's in a little bit of trouble. Here comes Roe. Here comes Knight. 
And now look at him with the right hands. He's on fire, baby. But AC, man, successful on row. Oh. But that drop kick was a bit more successful. And Dan was even more successful. Well, impressive by Tucker Knight. But here comes Hansen. Oh, my God. Misses with a clothesline. Hansen, well, Hansen ducks the clothesline. Suicide dives. Take out Dozovic. And now it's Knight and Rowe and Rowe. They're each man blocking blows. Kicks him round. Oh, my God. Knee. Kick to the chest. What was that? Knee to the face. A kick to the chest. And now here comes Hansen. Oh, he's going up top. Rowe picks him up. Hansen. Oh. oh, Lariat off the top. Goes for the cover. One, One two, two, three. And that was a, a squash match for the War Raiders against Heavy Machinery. I'm surprised by that. Heavy Machinery have uh, not been a bad tag team as late, have they? You know, no. they've, they've beaten uh, like Sabatelli and Moss and they've moved up the right rankings. And now, like you said, complete squash. But... Does that make you more excited for the War Raiders tour? I think that's the best they've looked. I don't know. I'm still not convinced. Well, we've seen a lot, like, say, big tag teams like Authors of Pain and Sanity. Can War Raiders be different? I think by this look, I think they can. Like I say, change little things like maybe their, uh, their ring gear and stuff like this. But I think that was good by the War Raiders. And I'll be, if, they, if that's the way they take out Heavy Machinery, they're obviously a plan for them. And if they want the NXT champions, well, you know who the NXT champions are, didn't you? Yes, oh yeah, and <laughs> I'd happily see them taking the NXT championships, yeah, without a doubt. Exactly. So, the yeah, undisputed era wait. But um, after that... <clears throat> well, Ono is shown walking backstage, then we get a recap of TM61's dirty win over the Street Profits last week. That leads to an episode of Street Talk featuring Montez Ford and Angela training on a basketball court and say they're coming for the tag titles. And I hope they get them. <laughs> So now it's Tommaso Ciampa versus Cassius Ono. It's the first time we're seeing Ciampa wrestle in NXT in probably two years nearly. And that's a very long time. And listen to his reaction. No music. Yeah, but he absolutely loves it though. Well, it's the thing, but you suck. There's no cheers. He is the most hated man. He is the most hated man in WWE. Yeah, that's got to be a fact now. He has it? overtaken Roman Reigns. Yeah, I mean, he's got pure... He's so dislikable... Uh, and he's going up against Cassius Ono. And Ono's one of my favourites. He's not one of my guys, so to speak, but he's a favourite of mine. And I like Ono and the career he's had. And he's the kind of guy now who's, you know, one of those stepping stones in NXT, I would think I think it'd be fair to say. You know, one of those guys that he probably is going to get a victory over. Still sticks up for uh, Johnny Gagano and everything that's happened. <laughs> you know, it's, it's nice there's still faces there like, no, this is the right thing to do. And I think Ono's... Um, I think this is a good storyline to tell. He's kind of like the locker room leader at this point. You know, Champa is the most hated man in that locker room. And he sends him out with a right hand in the early going. Well, he's still wearing some wounds from his battles against Johnny Gagano. He's got a visible black eye. And he's got a bit of a bruise on his uh, right thigh there as well. Yeah, I mean, that was a vicious war at TakeOver. But Ono can bring it himself. We've seen he's already gone to the outside. Big boot and a forearm. And he's taking it to Chumper. Well, Cassius has certainly got a size advantage over him. And Ono looks at how brutal he is. And Chumper going to go to the outside. As he kicks him down. I think this is a way to try and get Cassius a bit more over, to be fair. Well, yeah, he's looking tough now. And he's got Chumper by the beard. And he shouts at Chumper with a big slap then as well. You know, there's no doubt about it. In the independent scene, NXT, 
been there and done that as Cassius Ono. He wants to put a whipping on Champa. But unfortunately, he's not made it enough to get up to the main roster. No, no. Like I say, I just think he's a locker room leader in NXT, and he's he's the stepping stone, and he, he can do his job for a few years now. I don't see that transition to the main roster now. I just don't think they're going to use him. Do you know what I mean? He'll just do, be doing that on main event. And I think with NXT, there's more use for him here. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no point. If no one's watching main event, at least in NXT getting guys over, people like Velveteen Dream, even EC3 and, and, and guys like that, you know. I know with the elbow drop and Chumper, and Chumper is in serious trouble and he had it going. As he looks to go back to the outside for a bit of uh, escape, picking up a bit, pick here, but Chumper taking out the leg of Cassius. That was a hill way of doing things, but it makes sense. Oh, my God. Oh, and a running knee to the head as well. We thought, oh, no, strikes were vicious and Chumper's just as bad. And he's draped over the bottom rope. Chump was just stomping away on the head of Ono. <laughs> Mauro Ronaldo having a proper go at Chumper. Call him a sick individual. The Black Heart getting some, uh, and Chumper getting some payback for the beard grabbing and grabbing Cassius's short beard. Well, no, this is vicious as well with Chumper because he's targeting the face, you know, and he talk about targeting the body part. Chumper's aggression. I think he, when he looks at Ono, he can see not only Gagano. But everybody that says that he can't do it or the way he's doing it is not right. Chompa believes 100% that what he's doing. He says that he was wronged by Johnny Gagano, that the NXT Universe has wronged him. And that's why his beliefs are so strong. And I think that, in fact, is what makes Chompa such a great character. You know, like I said, the black heart, the kind of psycho killer that he can be. And he's choking out Ono now. We talk, we've seen a lot of side headlocks in this one, but I don't think we've seen a more vicious one. And he's bridging out to get even more talk on the neck of Cassius. And I said, Ono's a big man, so it takes a lot of oxygen to make that body move. And if you're getting cut off... You're soon GTS. That's beautiful. We've got the cravat, so he can't really move. And now with the knees... Well, whenever Cassius moves, the cravat just gets tighter. And now chopped to the chest. But Cassius is up to a vertical base. We've seen him take a lot of beatings, but he blocks the chop. Oh. Delivers a big right hand to Chumpa, sends him reeling back into the corner. Now I know he's got a, he screams, and now he hits a big kick, a vicious forearm, and he just puts the boot into the throat of Chumpa, holds it there, till the referee forces him to break it. Irish rip reversed by Chumpa, but Cassius just comes out of another big boot. Now, like I said, the power of Ono as well. He's not going to go for a cover though; just puts his boot. Ramming down the face of Chompa. Maybe going for a little bit of payback now with a submission. Driving the point of his elbow into the head of Chompa. And that bad eye. Targeting that. Hits oh, him. drops the knee to the eye as well. Fucking hell, I know. Oh, and Chompa might be in serious trouble. Referee's taking a look at it. Cassius not giving the referee a chance to have a look, though. Well, this is vicious, but it's effective. He's just crushing the jaw of Chompa. And now Ono exposing his own knee. Oh, my God. Exposed knee to the eye. That was for Johnny Gargano. Oh, my God. Chompa boots to the face of Ono. Well, I think that was just out of desperation. He slaps the taste out of Chompa's mouth. Well, Chompa absolutely destroyed Johnny Gargano a couple of weeks ago. And Ono finished his job. And now he's got Chompa the cravat on the top rope. 
He's just throwing him about. I've never seen a submission like this before in my life. You've got Chump in all sorts of trouble. Set out powerbomb. Goes for the cover. Two. Two. Oh. oh, but Chump are managing to kick out. Oh. Oh, no. There were the big boot screams in Chumper's face. Kicking the hands down that Chumper was using to block his face. Another big boot to the chin. And now using the referee as a shield. Oh, forearm by Chumper. And now the clubbing blows. The advantage you could find. And now he's trying to bite off his wrist tape. Looking to choke Cassius out of his wrist tape. Oh, but he had something in his mouth, I think. And he's using that now as a weapon. Somebody needs to stop this madman. And Chumper hides it in his trunks. And he hurt his eye and he's going after Ono. Here comes Chumper making a run for it. Oh, He gets caught with a big boot from Cassius Ono. And now Odo running up. Oh, Very well ducked by Chumper. Running knee to the back of the head. Goes for the cover. One, One two. two. Oh. oh! Cassius Ono just managing to kick out. Oh. oh, Chumper just might have one eye. But Ono showing his toughness there, getting his shoulder up at two. Two! And now Chumper stomping the face of Ono, but Ono's sitting up with it. High school kick of his own, but Chumper responds in kind. And now Chumper's going to go for the forearm. Oh! Ono blocked it with forearm himself, and now third. Oh, Jesus Christ. Chumper's turned Ono inside out. Got him in a net breaker. Oh, oh. twists him round. One, two, three. And Chumper picks up the victory over Cassius Ono, much to Ronaldo's disgust. <laughs> No! Damn it! Yes, Chumper beats Cassius Ono. Uh, vicious, brutal stuff there. What are your thoughts on that match? That was quite a good match. Um, I don't, I, I don't see, you know, I don't see your fascination in Cassio. I've not got it personally. I think you know he's only got a, a few big kicks in him, and that's about as far as he goes. He's not really what you'd call a technical wrestler. I've, I've. I respect your opinion. But, you know, you, you like him. Yeah, I mean, to, like I say, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but there's a lot of stuff back exactly when the independent scene as Chris Hero with the kind of hour matches he had with CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and people like that. It shows who he really is. And like I said, this is an older, more experienced owner in this one. And his job tonight was to make Chumper look like an evil son of a bitch. And I think that is mission accomplished here. Chumper is definitely a start. Like I say, he's in great condition. Uh, and I think it's a, still a great storyline with Johnny Gagano. And finally, before the episode ends, Chumper tells Ono and the Camry broke Johnny's body and Candice's heart. And now the Gagano fairy tale is over. So anyway, we move on to the next show. And it's NXT episode 449, May 16th. And after the opening, it's Johnny Gagano's music. Oh, my God. Mauro Ronaldo is pleasantly surprised, but... Damn it, it's Tommaso Ciampa. No, goddamn. Oh, no. Oh, no, Stone Cold. <laughs> well, Ciampa says Johnny won the battle, but he won the war. He'll always win in the long run, and that's why he's here. And Gagano's at home in a net brace. Piece by piece, Blackheart broke him. His mind, his soul, now his body. Slaray is here. She marches down to the ring and rips the mic away from Ciampa. She asks him who he is. She doesn't recognise what he's become. 
Tommaso is obsessed with ruining their lives and she doesn't understand why. The only thing broken here is him. She's done shedding tears for Tommaso. She's done with him. Even though, even though the Gaganos share their life with him, she'll never forgive Chompa for the monster he's become. And he'll always know Johnny is better than him. Blackheart back on the stick saying maybe Gagano was better, but that boy she calls her husband will never be the man he is, and she knows it. That's why he sent his cute blonde wife here instead of coming himself. <laughs> Chompa says he lived with <laughs> Chumper says he lived with them, so he knows Candice is more than a man. Than oh. While he was at the wedding, all he was wondering was how this woman could be marrying such a big... Oh! Oh, she slapped him. Lorraine slaps him. Oh. oh, Tommaso smiles and leaves the ring. Candice storms off and Tommy Entertainment says he wins. What a bastard Tommaso Chumper is. There is no bigger bastard in NXT that jumped for right now. Not only the heinous assault on Johnny Gagano, not only the, the beating up of uh, Cassius Ono, not even getting the blood pressure off of Mauro Ronaldo, but then getting in Candice's face, face and saying that your husband is not a man. It is fantastic storytelling that I, I look forward to seeing hopefully another match between two. Anyway, we move on. Yes, and up next, Lacey Evans defeated Brandy Lauren via pinfall following the women's right. Oh, squash which saw Evans hit a springboard drop elbow and a moonsault from the second row after saluting the crowd, but opted not to stead pulling Lauren up for a finisher. As Evans exits, Kari Sane attacks. She throws Evans on into the apron and rolls her into the ring, but Lacey bows before she can jump for the insane elbow. We get a recap of Velveteen Dream and Ricochet's verbal interaction from last week. An interviewer catches up with the NXT champ Ali B earlier tonight. He asks about Dream and Ricochet wanting a title shot. He says he's learned he has a target on his back. Everyone's seen what he can do to Velveteen. And if Ricochet wants to call himself the one and only, he can step in the ring with him and prove it. If either man gets a title shot, they're going to find out they're the target. Well, Dakota Kai meets the media. She doesn't know what's up with Nikki Cross. Her focus at the form centers on strength and conditioning. Cross cuts in and wildly asks about, about ask when she's going to face Shania Basler. She tells Kai that with fear comes opportunity. Nikki grabs her by the back of the head and tells her face her fear. Then laughs and walks off, leaving Dakota looking a little shaken and very confused. Poor Dakota Kai. Not only has she got to deal with Shania Basler, most dangerous woman, now she's got the craziest woman in Nikki Cross giving her counselling, I suppose. Up next, we've got the Velveteen Dream versus the one, the only, Ricochet. He doesn't need he doesn't need a flashy entrance and his whole gimmick to be about an entrance. Glorious! He lets his talking go in the ring. Dick. <laughs> we'll see what happens in this one, won't he doesn't we? Need, he doesn't need to point to big letters and numbers <laughs> on the back screen. He does his talking oh. in the ring. Oh, his hit. letters and numbers matter in the ring. Hit. He doesn't go against little cruiserweight-style guys. He goes against the biggest man he can find. Velveteen Dream. Hit a nerve, did we? Well, we are going to see Ricochet <laughs> versus the Velveteen Dream. And I don't like Ricochet's odds in this one. The Dream has been on top form. This should be a great match, though, shouldn't it, you know? What happened when you met Ricochet in person? You said, and I quote, You're the man, Ricochet! <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. I remember you meeting Shania Baslin going, You're the man! man. <laughs> 
So here's Ricochet Velveteen Dream Color and Elbow Type to start. And the crowd, I think, will be split here. I think it's fair to say 50-50. Look at the way Dream moves in the ring. He's different to anything you've seen. But again, like I say, so is Ricochet. Fans chant both these guys, which is nice. And look at the Dream there. Gyrating his hips. But Ricochet quickly flicks up to his feet and uh, gives him some gyrating back. Yeah, but VD nips up. But, oh, take him back down. Oh, both men are trying to jockey for position early on in this match. I find it weird sometimes. <coughs> I find it weird sometimes actually watching Ricochet. And, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of evolution of it. The evolution is a mystery. When the head scissors by Ricochet. Dream's caught trying to turn it. Oh, and Dream pulls his head out. Pushes Ricochet down and gets his own side headlock in. Ricochet rolls him up for a cover. Dream puts him back in that submission though. And Ricochet slowly back to his feet. It's all about getting control in the early going. Go on, man. And Ricochet there, nice again. Side head, showing that he can wrestle, not just fly. And he grounds the Dream there. Dream managing to pull Ricochet off, though. Oh, but Ricochet rolling over the top of him, rolling underneath him, doing a lovely backflip. Oh, but a dream that lands on his feet, <clears throat> nips up, nips down. Uh-oh, oh! It's caught by Ricochet, but turns it into a deep arm drag. Sends Ricochet out the ring. Well, and that's showing what the Velveteen Dream can do, and he's going to go outside. Is he going to go flying? Show Ricochet what it's all about. A few kicks going for an Irish whip. Ricochet bouncing over Velveteen, though, but Velveteen's sliding underneath. Both men shoulder to shoulder. And, you know, you could say this is a very even match thus far in, in this well, it, it's been It's been move for move, hasn't it, so far? It's not been disappointment. And now Dream and Ricochet. Oh! Oh, for fuck's sake, Lars. And big Lars Sullivan. Fucking hell. Throws Ricochet up to the rafters and across the ring. Oh. A power slam for Velveteen Dream. <clears throat> Why the hell is Lars Sullivan out here for? Why has he ruined this? He's ruined what was going to be a fucking epic match. Not a freak accident to Velveteen Dream. I'll leave Ricochet alone, for God's sake. And a big man is taken out to the most talented guys in NXT. And Lars Sullivan wants the NXT Championship. He's taken out one of you guys, and he's looking to go after another one of them. Obviously, no contest there. A bit of a disappointment, but... That was a very big disappointment. I was really getting into that match, and just the way these two guys was performing, I I hope to see another match-up between these two. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely... uh, It's going to continue, like you say, the story between Dream and Ricochet, but you're throwing Lars Sullivan there, and that opens up a whole can of worms. (laughs) Up next, Conor Reeves defeated Raul Mendoza... Following a Hawaiian drop for the pin. It's not been a great couple of weeks for Mendoza. Well, you know, Raul Mendoza took EC3 to the limit. He didn't take him. He didn't. I'm not. I'm not going to bite. You carry on. Well, <coughs> Reeves controlled things with his size and power. And when that failed, he asked the ref for help and used a distraction to grab Mendoza for a headlock. Kona with a reverse elbow drop. Then he grinds on Raul's face. When it, then he grinds Raul's face on the mat. A jawbreaker gets Mendoza out of a million-dollar dream and gives him a minute or so of offense until he springboards into a boots to set up the finish. So they do the same with Conor Reeves. They're trying to easy free. You know, he's trying to build up the new heel. So Mendoza is, is used there. I don't think they should do it. I think focus on maybe one guy at a time. But, hey, they're doing this with Conor Reeves anyway, so that's fine. 
Uh, up next, Kathy Kelly is outside General Manager William Regal's office when Ricochet shows up to try and get in the door. Kelly approaches to ask him about tonight's match when Velveteen Dream rolls up. He wants to know what Ricochet is doing there and he says he knows he wants Lars Sullivan. Velveteen Dream says there's something in common then. What? After someone up this ship about who gets to hold the door for who, they head into Regal's office. Wow. Now, backstage, heavy machinery are filming a selfie promo about Mother's Day when TM61 shows up asking if they want to get a drink. Otis Dozovich and Tucker Knight tell them they don't. Thorne and Miller take offence at that. This sets up a match between the two teams for next Wednesday. Oh. So now it is the main event for this week. And it is the, well, it's Pete Dunne, Danny Birch and Only Lorkin. I mean, three of the guys we really like going against the most dominant team in WWE nowadays. Not only do they hold the NXT Tag Team titles, they hold the NXT North American champion, Adam Cole, baby! We're undisputed era. That's Handsome Carl O'Reilly, Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong. Six great talents in there, Dan. Would you agree there's six fantastic wrestlers in the ring? No, I'd say there's four. The rest, Only Lorkin, Danny Birch and Pete Dunne. You've become a fan of handsome Kyle O'Reilly recently. You know you have. You don't mind Roderick Strong. Who's your pick? Because I think it's Adam Cole you've got a, a real problem with. That's, oh, he's not going to start in this one, which is a bit of a shame. But what of the team of Pete Dunne, Lorkin and Birch then? Dan, how good do you think they can be? Well, we've seen Danny Birch and Only Lorkin have some great matches against each other. And see these two guys are able to do that to each other. What are they going to do when they team up against these bunch of twats? And I then know. throw Pete Dunne into the mix as well. And Pete Dunne's come across as really cool recently. And, and strong. The second longest reigning champion in WWE yeah. at the moment. And he's still got the storyline about him because he teamed up with Strong for the title, tag team titles at TakeOver. Of course, Strong turned his back. So Dunne's still got uh, unfinished business when it comes to Roger Strong and the rest of the Undisputed Era. Then you throw down Lorcan Birch. Like I say, two guys, I never thought we'd get this kind of opportunity against Undisputed Era. Do you know, win, lose, or draw, it's nice that the guys that we like are getting an opportunity at this. Do you know what I mean? I think Birch and Lorcan have a lot of upside. I know Birch is a veteran, but just the kind of way they wrestle, that kind of hard style that we've seen in the Ono Chumper main event from last week and the kind of the direction that it's going now. And we've got Birch and O'Reilly, probably the most, um, I would say, technically efficient. And then I can see Pete Dunne on the ring side I'm just like well maybe not but Birch's got the old British style that we know and love and Riley's got the more hard uh, hard score strong style of the American way (laughs) Danny Birch has uh, started off with the upper hand oh and O'Reilly wants him down there and look at those kicks there by O'Reilly that was nice take Birch off his feet backs him up into his corner where Adam Cole gets to tag in because he can attack someone from behind. Yeah, look at Adam Cole, the North American champion, the longest reigning North American champion of all time, stomping down on Danny Birch. Now a huge right hand, very impressive there. I mean, the more I see of the Unspewed Era and Adam Cole, the more I get the more impressed. It's a modern-day Shawn Michaels about it. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> off. Riley kicked to the back, goes for the cover, Birch managing to kick out. Uh-huh. Roderick Strong tags himself in. <clears throat> I bet. I think Pete Dunn's chomping at a bit to get his hands on Roderick Strong. No, we'll see Chomper in a bit. <laughs> hey, Lee, um, Messiah, the Batbreaker. Oh, Roddy, just wearing down Birch at the moment. And it's even nice to see Roderick Strong get an opportunity. I know you're not going to agree with that, but at least he's involved in a bit of storyline. At least he's got a bit of um, 
meaning now. I think that's what it's important with the NXT Well, he, he, he won't have much meaning if he keeps taunting Pete Dunne like that. I'll tell you that. Dunne's got a great look at his face. Oh, strong trying to pick up Birch. Birch backs up. Uh-oh. Pete Dunne tags himself <laughs> in. And these three guys are starting to work as a unit. They've got a common enemy. And, you know, even people that wasn't getting on like these three guys, they all team up for a... For the Undisputed Era. Exactly. Call them Team UK. I'll let only Lorcan a part of the team. Do you know what I mean? That's fine. He can grab Citizen Ship now. Look at Dunn. Just taking down Strong so easily. Punching him to the ribs while he's got his foot on his head and wrenching his arm back. And now he's going to work on the fingers. Classic Pete Dunn style. Oh, my God. He's going to break him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun watching him wrestle. Now he's got the hand again. Yeah, look. And the Undeserving Era's... Pete Dunn was down in a wrestling move. Throw herself in. Ooh. Oh, brilliant. And all of them get their fingers wrenched apart. Stick in the air now, you bunch of cunts. <laughs> and now the Unspewed are going up to the... Uh, they're going to walk away. No, they're not. They're stronger than that. Strong's back in. Wanted Pete Dunn to the attack. And the Unspewed Era, though... Trying to cut him up and look at that. That's great team by the that's great team by the Undisputed Era. Stomping him down. And now look at O'Reilly taunting as he kicks away Pete Dunn. Just out of the Undisputed Era get control. Pete Dunn takes down O'Reilly. Roderick Strong's in there and he's gonna try and work over Pete Dunn. <clears throat> and I don't think we've seen only Lorcan legally in there yet. He wants to tag. So does Danny Birch. He wants him some of the undeserving era. And a bruise weight and a bit of trouble. And there's Strong slamming him down. This is beautiful teamwork by the Undisputed Era. You've got to admit that, Dan. What? Nope. All right, fair enough. Well, it is. And uh, Riley working the arm on Dunn. I'll tell you who they've got better teamwork than. And you're not going to believe this. Enzo Amore and Big Cass. <laughs> And they, are, they are just one notch above them. you got to imagine that uh, the War Raiders are watching on backstage. See, so maybe they will be challenging soon. I mean, can only and Birch get in there? I mean, Strong has taken over on Pete Dunne. Do they want all the titles? You know, Roderick Strong may be looking to become tag team and UK champion. So many possibilities out, though. But Strong keeps a hold. Oh, Pete Dunne with a lovely backflip over the head of Strong. Tags in only Lorcan. No, Danny Birch. No, only Lorcan. They <laughs> just both look so similar. <laughs> and Lorcan's in, and he's on fire, baby. Chopping away like O'Reilly and Strong. Screens away, and we've seen him when he goes on an uppercut charge. Go on, only Lorcan. I'd like to see him and Cesaro in the same ring. Oh, Expl- that's a mental match. Yeah, and he slams down Strong. Here comes Adam Cole, baby. Oh, have a neck breaker for your troubles, you cunt. And he tags in Danny Birch, and Lorcan now is going to go flying. <laughs> Over the top rope, takes out O'Reilly and Strong, stands them back up again, nope, throws Strong into the ring. And now Strong walks into Birch, and it's a Lorcan-Birch attack. Inverted atomic drop, then gets clotheslined inside out by Danny Birch. Goes for the cover, but Adam Cole comes in and stops things. Here comes Pete Dunn now. <laughs> he gets knocked across the ring. But O'Reilly, German... Oh, but Pete Dunn lands on his feet. He gets a kick to the side of his head. Strong tries eliminating Pete Dunn from the Royal Rumble. Oh, and Strong throws Lorcan into Pete Dunn. That's great. And now a uh, backbreaker by Strong on Birch. 
Here comes Strong with a knee. Oh, look, Adam Cole tagging himself in when someone's in trouble. But now he tags in Kyle O'Reilly. Cole slams him down with a net breaker. O'Reilly with a knockout kick. One, two. Oh. Yes, Danny Birch. He managed to kick out. Uh-huh. And this match still goes on. It's been highly competitive. But now it looks like maybe the Unspewed Era are going to put this away. Right hand by Birch there. Oh, look, Adam Cole comes in when he's not fucking meant to be. And he gets eliminated from the Royal Rumble. Yes, Danny Birch. Eliminate all them cunts. <laughs> Strong goes out. O'Reilly now tries to mission. Birch turns it. He's in. got the cross face locked in. And there you go. Lorkins at uh, half Boston Crab on Strong. Go on, Pete Dunn. And Adam Cole, baby. And Dunn stops him. Yes. He's got the submission. Oh. Tap, you son of a bitch. Oh, Tap. Free undisputed era. Oh, no. Strong pushes Lorcan into a Dunn. And Dunn lands on Danny Birch, breaking that submission hold as well. All six men are down. This is what you could do with a six-man tag team division. Imagine that. Every match is good as this. Oh, undisputed bruiserweight chant. All six men down at the moment. Oh, Adam Cole, a leader of the undisputed era, is back to his feet. He gets oh. suplexed out of the ring, but holds on to Pete Dunn and hangs him up on the top rope. Well, Cole and Dunn might be done. And Birch and Orkin to the feet with Strong and O'Reilly. Uh, these four <laughs> men going toe-to-toe with a big slugfest in the middle of the ring. It's what you love to see. And here comes Lorcan and Birch. No. Stopped. And now double-team O'Reilly. Here comes Strong. Oh! Oh, but... Birch moves out the way. Strong and O'Reilly hit each other. Oh! Only Lorcan with a double blockbuster. And now Birch picks him up. Lorcan got him as well. Oh, DDT! The assisted DDT. One, One, two, two, three. three. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Whoa! Right, you tell me exactly what fucking influence did Adam Cole have in that match? What did he do in that match? Adam Cole didn't do a lot. Exactly. Didn't right, exactly. Didn't need to do a lot. Look, he's looking on. He blames Dunn. He done and O'Reilly. Fuck all. No, but Adam Cole, obviously, looking out for himself at the moment, but I think we've got to look at... Don't focus on the Undisputed Era, Dan. Focus on the performance of Birch, Lorcan, and oh, Dunn. Oh, I am focused on that, but I'd just like to highlight the point that Adam Cole tagged himself in when the other person was in danger... Done absolutely fuck all. Tagged out as quickly as he fucking could. What's the point? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. He has no fucking talent whatsoever. But I think that was a great match. What are your thoughts on the match? It was a bloody good match, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it's one of the best six-man tags that we've had in a while. But this is a tag because they are so exciting as well when they're done right. I think it's a real opportunity there for, like I say, not a six-man, well, six-man, uh, three-man tag title belt. Or just more matches like this. But I think it looks great for Lorcan and Birch to get a victory against the Undisputed Era. And I think it makes Pete Dunne look like a true star. And that's wow. it this, this week. But what happens next week, Dan? Next week, we've got Ricochet and Velveteen Dream teaming up to go against Lars Sullivan. And when do we start watching that? Now! So we move on to our next episode, and that is episode 450, May 23rd. Or the 054 if you're a Mustafa Ali fan. But Maro Ronaldo, Percy Watson and Nigel McGuinness welcome us to the full sail and hype the handicap match. Jonathan Coachman is shown in the audience and he's a big fan of stakes and weights. 
baby. Well, the first match is TM61 defeating Heavy Machinery via pinfall. Miller on Dozovic. Shane Thorne starts with Otis Dozovic, taunting Doza as the crowd chants for HM. The faces control the early action, getting a big pop for a spot where they tie Nick Miller up in the corner. In the corner... <coughs> The faces control the early action, getting a big pop for a spot where they tie Nick Miller up in the corner ropes while Otis and Tucker Knight use Thorne as a battering ram against his partner. A blind tag lets Shane hit a European uppercut on Knight while and put the Aussies in control. TM61 work over Tucky in the corner, but Knight digs deep to counter and suplexes both of his opponents. Dozovic runs through Miller and Thorne, but a pinfall after the Caterpillar elbow is broken up by Shane. Knight misses a charge in the corner and flies to the floor, but Dozer looks to have Nick in trouble, but he pauses to wipe himself down with one of TM61 towels before attempting a splash, and Thorne recovers to knock him from the ropes and allows his partner to get the dirty roll-up, which he helps by holding Nick's feet on the ropes. Zeta has been released by NXT Breaking News. I saw that departure. She will be missed. Bianca Belair gets a hype video. She asks herself why she's the fastest rising star in... The EST of NXT, asking the viewer if we'll even understand the significance of her roots. We'll learn more next week when Belair gets the Who Is treatment. We get an EC3 promo spot with highlights over him, selling himself at a rooftop pool. Next week we get his third match and we can already see the trilogy's effects as he turns NXT to NX3. He's proven he's the best here, the best there, the best anywhere. If you could do that in three matches, imagine what you can do in four. EC3! All right, all right. Lacey Evans versus Kari Sane. Well, let's go. These women have had problems recent times and Lacey Evans, a couple of victories, you know, she won recent times and she wants to show aggressive side. We saw Sane attacking her last week and Sane started that straight away now. Hitting her with a drop kick as uh, Evans goes to the ropes. Good Evans. And now going back to a collar and elbow tie-up. And Sane's kind of uh, not done much of notice, really, in NXT as of late. She lost to Basler, and now she's got a problem with Lacey Evans. And Evans with a chop. I'm not sure if Kyrie Sane liked that or not. Well, Lacey Evans just called Kari Sane to her, and Kari Sane certainly is bringing it. She grabs her by the face and just shouts at her. Oh. There was a big chop across the chest. My God, you're going to break those chests in a minute. And what's Sane doing? Oh, my God. Taking Lacey. Sane is uh, it's a magical to watch. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed her in the May Young Classic. And I think uh, her, you know, winning that, I thought she was set for maybe bigger and better things. I'm a little bit surprised that, that she really maybe hasn't done it. But still... I think there's still a lot of talent there. Lacey Evans is one of these kind of homegrown stars of NXT, so maybe she'll get a chance. Like I say, the women's division is wide open at the moment. As you see her now focusing on Kari Sane's arm. But as you say, though, with Kari Sane, you know, the thoughts of her winning the Mae Young Classic, I thought that was going to elevate her to bigger and better things. But it's kind of, you know, she's, she's had a title shot and then she just slipped down the pecking order. Yeah, and you look at the person she beat in the final... Is now NXT Women's Champion. Sane's got to find herself in quite a difficult position, really, when she looks at it and goes, well, hang on a minute. I come here, I won this, and now the person I, I, I beat is basically champ. Well, and, and uh, Shane Abaz is certainly getting uh, the monster push. Yeah. And uh, surprised that maybe Sane's not. But Lacey Evans at this moment showing her aggressive side, just wearing down Sane. 
Oh. As she uh, springs up into the corner and just lands in a Bronco Buster, knocking out some Akari Sane's hair. Going for the cover, but Sane showing a tough. Oh. Like I said, the women's division is wide open. I know Basler's going to dominate for years to come, but who's going to be the next number one contender, you know, for so long? It's Oscar and people like Ember Moon. Nikki Cross has something to say, but I don't know if she will be successful. I love Nikki Cross to be successful in a women's championship run. Do you know what I mean? I think that is one person that deserves a chance. She's just when you see her, you kind of get excited. And it's like even with, in her right moments as well, she delivers excellent matches. She didn't deliver a bad match this year in the May Young Classic. I think Nikki Cross and Kari Sane could have some very good matches. Mm. I mean, you know. It, Certainly with Nikki Cross, she held her own against Oscar, and Oscar was a dominating champion with a brilliant streak under her belt. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, no one was ready for Oscar. Insane now, kicked her in his back. Yeah, and then dives in with a lovely spear. To go up for that insane elbow, and Evans in a bit of trouble at the moment. The pirate princess trying to bring herself into this march into the corner. Looks like she can barely stand at the moment, though, but she's getting up ahead of steam. Oh, here she comes. Bang! Oh. Drives that elbow straight into the heart. And Lacey Evans in, is in trouble, but she managed to quite intelligently try to get a bit of separation. But I don't know how intelligent that's going to be because Kari Sane's stalking her. Oh! And she plants another elbow onto her. But like I say, Evans is in trouble, but she's on the outside. And Sane, maybe looking to finish this, throws her in. Going to look to maybe go all the way to the top. Lacey Evans has made her way to her feet quite quickly, though. Here comes Sane off the top. Oh! She gets caught by Evans on the way down with a big right hand. Two, three. Well, I tell you something, that is called the woman's right, apparently. And it's just knocked out Kari Sane. And I mean, that was not only a surprise... But what do you think of the finisher as well, actually? Um, I don't ever believe that a woman's right. What is it? Taking a page out of Big Show's book. Yeah, big right hand, the woman's right, yeah. And uh, and a shock there, Kai saying losing about that. I mean... Hope... Losing in quite easy fashion, to be fair. It was a surprise. It looked like saying maybe had the job done, but hopefully this feud continues now so saying can get some retribution, unless they're looking to push Lacey Evans, you know, with that right hand... If she connects that against anybody, is that the job done now? You know, it would be an interesting thing to see as we uh, move on with the women's division NXT. Well, Kathy Kelly is outside trying to catch up with Johnny Gargano and Casey LeRae as they arrive. Johnny said his next scene, better days, but he and his wife sat down and had a discussion as a team. He doesn't want to do it, but it has to be done. He's not going to tell Kathy now, though. They're heading into full sale live so they can tell all of us. Recap of last week's main event, which broke down into only Lorcan and Danny Birch getting us on Tag Champs Undisputed Era. They showed a fallout clip from last week where they call for a title shot, and I think deservedly so. Most definitely, yeah. <clears throat> well, the era is hanging backstage. Adam Cole says last week was a fluke, and the sad thing about those three losers is they're going to brag about it for the rest of their pathetic lives. Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong says it does not give Lorcan and Birch the right to a title match. Cole blames Pete Doon for giving the Brit AM brawlers false hope and the group agrees they'd never even heard of Oni until last week. Fish is excited about TakeOver Chicago 2 
take over Chicago too. Two. But Roddy can't wait. Next week, he's going to take care of Mr. Number Two. Two. A.K.A. Birch. Cole says, that is undisputed. Yeah, for life. Undisputed era for life. <laughs> Up next, it's Lars Sullivan versus Ricochet and the Velvety Dreamer. Just look at that screenshot we got on the TV right now. Sullivan looking at Ricochet and Dream just being his dreamy best, I suppose. Uh, so this could be a real interesting matchup, I would fear, Phil, because Ricochet and Dream have been at each other's throats, and now Sullivan tries to make a statement. They want retribution. I don't know even if they can work well as a team. This would be so interesting. We've never seen anything like this before, I don't think, on NXT. We've you've, never seen Lars Sullivan take on a tag team. We've never seen Lars Sullivan take on Ricochet. Well, stars of... You're right, it's just Rick Lars Sullivan versus a couple of jobbers, isn't it? <laughs> is that what you're saying? Like, it is, is this how you see it? Sullivan's going to well, win no, this? No, you said we've never take, seen anything like this. Yeah, as in like Lars Sullivan versus two stars in Velveteen Dream and Ricochet. You've never seen the colour of two single stars oh, in no, two on one match. run through local competitors. Yeah, but, but I, didn't, I didn't know if you classed Dream and Ricochet as local competitors in this one. You know, like, that's where it's going to go in this, you know. Okay, James. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> <laughs> so he's got the one local competitor, Dream, frozen there. And yeah. I think Dream's uh, a big star, but Sullivan is a different monster. He's a WWE monster. Well, they are going to team up. Well, last Sullivan throws Dream across the ring and he quickly tags in Ricochet. Is he going to try and use his speed advantage against Lars Sullivan? Well, we saw last week he get manhandled by Sullivan. And like I said before, he is a cruiserweight, so it, uh, his speed is going to be vital in this. Oh, they're both in now. Trying to get the upper hand on Lars. And they're both delivering some big rights. But Lars Sullivan pushing him away. They both respond with a drop kick, sending him to the ropes. But he's still not off his feet and he throws Ricochet to the apron. And Dream goes low, holding Lars Sullivan's legs while Ricochet comes off top, kicking him down. And now Dream going to go for the cover, but Sullivan after a one... Honestly, swear to God, if Lars Sullivan wins this match, I'm walking out. <laughs> why? And why is that? The dream working on Sullivan? Because, like you know, they're just gonna fucking both be jobbed to a big bloke. Well, I know. It's like they should, it shouldn't happen. Is it? Is it a worry? Like, and especially after Alistair Black's beaten Lars Sullivan. Yeah. Then you know, one of the Has if. He? if he must have done. No, I don't know. I know he beat fucking Thingy, didn't he? Killian Dane. Killian I don't think Dane. he's ever been one on one. Yeah, but, you know, if, if these two want to be a reputable challenge for the NXT Championship against Alistair Black, surely. Don't call me Shirley. They can't be losing, you know, in a two on one handicap. I know, match. I know. Like I say, we've never seen anything really like this, so it would destroy kind of Ricochet and Dream at this moment in time. Sullivan pushing off Ricochet. Now it's gotten around the throat. Ricochet thrown into the corner. Here comes Sullivan. Manages to get his foot up. Delivers a kick to the head of Sullivan. Ricochet rolling through with a lovely seated drop kick. Goes back into his own corner. And Dream and Ricochet teaming up quite well at the moment. But here comes Sullivan. And Dream stopping him. Here comes the double clothesline maybe. No. Sullivan runs right through both their arms. Kick down low for Ricochet. Running knee lift from Velveteen Dream. Ricochet holds him in a hurricane runner. Velveteen Dream hits a super kick. Oh, and then both men with big boots. Both, both going, going for, for the cover. cover. One, two. two. Oh, but Sullivan managing to kick out. Uh-huh. 
And Sullivan will not die. Grabs Ricochet by the throat. His dreams pounded him. And they're going to try a double suplex him. They can't. going to get reversed. Oh, trying to get him up. I've been fighting out. And now Ricochet saying, right, I've got an idea. Let's suplex him. No. Oh, my God. Sullivan fights out. Clotheslines them both to the mat. Would rather have the dream pinned than uh, Ricochet. That's what I suppose. Most definitely. And Sullivan runs into Dream, slams him down. One, two, oh. Dream managing to kick out. Ah. And now Sullivan's just grabbing anything he can. Lips and ears. He's got Velveteen Dream's top lip. (laughs) The only way I can see Lars Sullivan legitimately winning is if Ricochet and Velveteen Dream have a falling out and one costs the other the match. Yeah. But if he beats them convincingly and they're working as a team, then... But Sullivan's impressive. And he's been put in a kind of face situation here as well, like two-on-one. You know what I mean? It might be quite difficult for Lars. The crowd might start rooting for him, like they do Strowman, especially if you can't... The power moves and stuff like this, I suppose. Can't keep Dream down, though. Well, Velveteen Dream seems to be getting most of the crowd's support as Lars Sullivan is fully in control. His credit does want to tag in against the monster. And Sullivan now saying to the Dream, go on, make the tag to Ricochet. I'll let you. No, grabs the leg of Dream. <laughs> Trickster. He's like, he's playing with his food at the moment, is Lars Sullivan. Picks up. Velveteen. Fall away. Slam. No. Ooh. Right, just a big power slam to the mat. But Dream showing his toughness getting the shoulder up at two. Two. Now Sullivan might be getting a little bit frustrated. And, and where's the big man going? He's going up top. Oh, no. This is not a good idea. Oh, my God. Here comes Sullivan. Oh, no. I thought Dream was going to escape it, but he gets caught on the lower back. Into a pin cover. Two. Oh, Oh, but ricochet with the save. Well, I think you have to not get enough after that. And here he's saying to Sullivan, (laughs) And he lures Sullivan out to the ring. Ricochet's going to use his speed to try and keep ahead of him. Oh, but Sullivan now... He's chasing down. Ricochet gets him. Ricochet fighting out of it. Lure him in. <coughs> oh. oh, great teamwork by these two. Well, Velveteen Dream managed to hit the elbow thanks to Ricochet's, Ricochet's distraction. And now can he get the tag? Bang, Ricochet's in. Gets the hot tag and he's on fire, baby. <laughs> he's not done anything yet. Here he goes. Now he's on fire, baby. <laughs> Couple of big forearms ducking Lars Sullivan. Definitely using the speed to his advantage, going down low, trying to chop the big tree down. But the tree is not moving, and Ricochet's in trouble, gets Irish whipped into the corner. Oh, sidesteps the oncoming Sullivan, though. Oh, a 619. Dream's up on the second rope, on the top rope. Oh! Cross body from Dream. And now here comes Ricochet. Standing, shooting star, goes for the cover. One, two, oh. Sullivan managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And Dream and Ricochet actually make quite a good tag team. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Dream gets tagged in. Nice kicks. Ricochet with a stomp there. Here comes Dream. Oh, my God. Tags Dream in. He comes flying over. Ricochet with a springboard. Springboard 450. 450. And last Sullivan, though. Trying to get out of the way. And what's Dream doing? Oh, Dream. Dream, no dream. <laughs> no dream. <laughs> uh, what is Velveteen Dream doing? 
sending a message to Ricochet there. He's saying you don't belong here to Ricochet. Look at Sullivan. Like a monster in the night, getting up. Sullivan's in. I thought the Ricker Dream team was going well. Oh, I thought it was. It is over now. And Ricochet is in trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. Freak accident. Freak accident. <laughs> One, two, three. And last Sullivan is dominant. Dan, what are your thoughts on that match? Well, you know, it's a way for Lars Sullivan to get the victory without hurting any of the other two wrestlers. You know, Ricochet, it's, you know, he had his partner turn on him. He was against the odds. Yeah, so that was Sullivan in dominating faction. I don't think it was a bad match. Like we say, it's nice that NXT tries something, something different. Uh, we can see and think, okay, this is how you're going to move the story along when it comes to Ricochet and Dream. Look, Sullivan, victory there gets two. Like I said, NXT worthy challenge the champion as the black must be, surely. Don't call me Shirley. Looking on. <clears throat> well, we learned that Dakota Kai will challenge for the women's title next week. And Kelly interviews her, asking how she's mentally preparing. Kai says it's been her dream for a long time. She's psyched, but worried because it's against Shayna Baszler, a bully who she's let get in her head. The champ rolls up and asks if that's what Dakota thinks this is. Her dream come true. Kai knows she has no chance against her, right? The Kiwi looks nervous, but steals herself and says, we'll see about that. Shayna seems shocked and a little off-put that a challenger stood up to her. And bullies, bullies always are, aren't they? You know, they put down people... And all you need to do sometimes is James, stand up. James, just shut up. Exactly. You need to stand up against them. You're the bully in this one here. Anyway, talk about that. Ali B. Black, Alistair Black, will be here next week on NXT. The champ will be indeed here. And up next is Johnny Gargano. Well, Johnny Gargano in a neck brace and Candice LeRae enter the arena to Johnny's theme. Gargano stops to high-five some kids in the seats before climbing into the ring to soak in some cheers. But with a very serious look on his face. Go on, give me a serious look. Very serious look. He gets a microphone and tells the crowd, I love you too. Candice takes his hand as he runs down his last appearance, which ended with him on a stretcher rather than in an NXT championship match. Every day when his body reminds him of that day, being kneed in the head, thrown onto the LED, it's put for a table. He's been doing this for a long time, but he sat down with Candice and realised he decided it's time to start thinking about their future. He needs to ask himself, is it worth it? The crowd chant, yes, but but Bogano, Gagano says his injuries have taken a toll on himself, his family and his wife. He puts the mic, Ray, I'm sorry, goodbye, I love you. (laughs) Then he super kicks her in the face. He rips off the neck brace as Candice gets upset and screams, Damn right it is! He calls that Chumper as Mrs. Wrestling runs off. Chumper arrives and says, Boy, you have until I walk to the ring to change your mind. Lorraine returns with referees to split them up and Candice pulls Johnny up the ramp. Tommaso talks him again, telling him to listen to me, a good boy, which gets Gagano to snap and charge the ring. Oh, no! Shit! That's woman assault. He's just knocked his wife out cold. <laughs> yeah, he didn't mean to. He was up in the apron. Chumper knocked him off. Come he on He knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> no, he did. That's heinous, heinous bastard Chumper again. Humper. No, Chumper. It's disgusting what he's done. Oh, my God. She's out. She landed she's on dead. that. 
She's, she's dead. Not dead. She's dead. <laughs> well, the black heart looks kind of concerned himself, then slinks away as Gagano checks on his wife, barking at officials to get help. She does move before the credits come up, but that's how the show ends. So we move on to episode 451, and it's May 30th. Maro and a recap of the Gagano chomper angle from last week and informs us that Johnny and Tommaso aren't here tonight but need to return their street fight paperwork to general manager William Regal to make their match official. He teases other takeover Chicago developments on the episode and then no man is ever truly good, no man is ever truly evil. The champ is here. Yeah. Ali B. Alistair Black's in his gear and he walks to the ring. He said he's been a, it's been a trip being an NXT champ since he won the belt in New Orleans. He understands there's a confusion about his next challenger, but only needs one second to land his shot and make his opponent fade to black. Lars Sullivan music hits and he's out to tell us there is no longer any confusion. Regal has named him as Black's first challenger for Chicago. He acknowledges that Alistair has travelled the world and conquered every challenge he's encountered but he's never encountered anyone like Lars, someone with his size, strength, and dominance. That's what takeover. He'll be the new NXT champ. So, my God, Sullivan there last week beat Ricochet and Dream and now wants the NXT title held by your man, Alistair Black. Is Lars Sullivan uh, a right for Alistair Black, Dan? Are you worried about Black's NXT title reign? No. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep it short and sweet. <laughs> yeah. Well, Alistair Black does not look intimidated staring at Lars. Oh, Sullivan drops the mic. Oh, my God. He's grabbed Alistair Black by the throat. But Alistair Black firing back, going for the Black Mass kick. It gets caught by Sullivan. Black looks shocked. It gets swatted away. And he gets picked up. Oh, and planted with a freak accident. Oh, my God. Have you seen anybody catch the uh, Black Mass kick before? I've seen a lot of people catch it with their chin. But never with their hand, James. That is scary, impressive by Sullivan. He stands tall over the NXT champ. And I believe at NXT ch- TakeOver Chicago 2. 2. We're going to see a new NXT champion. So can I just point out, much to my annoyance, that Lars Sullivan's run, to, run through two of my fucking <laughs> favourites. <laughs> oh, no. Is he going to go beat up Nicky Cross in a minute? Just like, <laughs> <sighs> goes to the main roster and just beat Randy Orton. Well, anyway, talking about TakeOver, Fozzie's Painless is an NXT TakeOver in Chicago theme, and they show YTG in a, vi- YTG in a video clip, but don't mention him at all. Nigel McGuinness informs us that Black versus Sullivan is official, and Maro, renign- <coughs> and Maro reminds us about Chumper Gagano and talks about Candice LeRae wiping her hands of the whole affair. Wow. So then we get the War Raiders versus Cody Vincent and George Hickson via pinfall following the fallout. Total, total squash. Notable for Hanson and Rowe throwing their, the enhancement guys into their own corner to get tags. The Raiders also acted a little more unhinged than in previous out uh, in previous outings. We get video package on Dakota Kai and Shania Basler's program. Then we see EC3 arrive at Full Sail Day. His match is next. First, Kathy Kelly interviews Lacey Evans about her rubber match with Kari Sane next Wednesday. The result next week will be the same as last week. She doesn't care that Sane won the May Young Classic. She has a right, a woman's right, with Kari's name on it. Well, it is now EC3 versus Fabian Eichen. Look at all the NX3 signs in the crowd, Dan. Look at all of them there. And look at the man, EC3. 
There is not a more custom-made superstar than EC3. He's just... I can't... Well, I can't put into words how great he's going to be. And like I say, just in four matches, he's dominating the competition here. So here comes Fabian Eichner, yeah? The Italian-born, German, bald-headed, whisker-biscuit bitch going to be in action against EC3. He's going to be losing, Dan. I hate to be a spoiler about it, but Eichner don't stand a chance against EC3. Collar and elbow tie up. And look at EC3 there. Showing his strength. Knee to the midsection. Easily throwing Eichner into the corner. Then the clubbing blows there. Or cave your chest in if you're not careful. That's the power of EC3. Oh, but Eichner managing to fight back using his speed advantage over the uh, the roided up EC3. And how is he roided? He has to take drug tests. That's just fallacy. Look at them. We traps. cannot confirm or deny if he is just because he can't. He's not as small as Ricochet. You know what I mean? It's like you think he's on steroids. No, he just works out. He's just got a great body. All right. It looks like someone's put EC3's head on Jinder Mahal's body. <laughs> you. <laughs> All he needs is a couple of... All he needs you is a couple of... You fucking arsehole. He's not going to make like that. Just because he's got a ripped body. Easy free there, knocking Eichner off the apron. Easy for him. <laughs> you wait until Ricochet's in action. A fucking sewer rat. And now look at Easy free. It's how Superstar should look, by the way. We're in... And we're watching NX3 and... Oh, my God. Johnny Gagano, he don't even care about EC3. He's just like, yeah, fuck you. And where's he going? He's going to the announce table. Oh, my God. He's got a signed contract. See, this is how much respect people have for Ethan Carter III. He don't even look at him. He's like, you ain't even worth my fucking gaze. Fuck off, you melt. I don't know why I mentioned the gaze for, but um, I think you've got to look at the laser focus Gagano's got on this. But I think EC3 will be fine. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> As Fabian Eichner springboards off the top rope, taking out EC3, throws him into the ring. One, no, two, no. that was a fucking slow count referee, and you fucking know it. Look, right, let's, let's not. Gagano's focus on Chumper. That's going to happen. Look at this. EC3 now, slamming. Oh, I forgot his name. Slamming Eichner down. It's annoyed EC3. It's annoyed me. Picks him up for the 1%. The top 1%, he hits his mark. One, two, three. Now, the question is, Gagano's laser focus on Chumper. The street fight will happen at NXT TakeOver 2. But EC3, you're right. NX3's just been disrespected. Will there be possible ramifications for Gagano down the line when you disrespect EC3 like that? Well... I think Johnny Gargano <laughs> knew that EC3's match was going to be so fucking boring that he thought, well, let me put some entertainment into this match. I'll come out and I'll announce I've signed my contract. I could have done it before. I could have done But I don't care about EC3. He's probably going to say sorry to Fabian Eichner because he's disrespected him and, uh, and a good match that he could have had and a, and a, a more than certain victory. I think it's clever because it sets up a feud down the line with EC3 saying you disrespect me. You mark my words. So who is Bianca Belair? Who? She's got long hair. Who? Who? Well, you can tell us. Who is Bianca Belair? Well, Bianca Belair, it begins with her saying she has wanted come easy to her. She's excelled at every af- athletic endeavour she has attempted. She comes from a long line of excellence. Her great-grandfather was the first African-American electrician in North Carolina. 
Her grandfather has a master's degree in organic chemistry. She got to college on athletic scholarship. And in addition to being a decorated track and field athlete, she graduated with degrees in business and sociology. But after college, she found herself back in a mediocre life. Then she found CrossFit, which gave her a chance to excel and be herself. That was her way to NXT. They show clips of her training at the Performance Centre and she says she's on another level other than other over the other athletes there despite never having worked the indies. Unlike in her youth, however, she feels she's worried about how anyone unlike in her youth, however, she's not worried about how anyone else feels. She's the EST champ of NXT and she's here to be women's champ. So Bianca Blair getting her message across. And up next, it's a normal-sized wrestler versus the midget Ricochet. <laughs> By the look of things in the ring there. Look how small Ricochet looks. Where the fuck, how tall is he? Four foot two. Was he working in Charlie Chocolate's... <laughs> Was he working in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory before this? So anyway, next match, Ricochet versus Chris Dijak. I think he's Croatian or something. Hey, I can see the Croat flag on his trunk. Goes for a big boot. Ricochet dodges in the early going. So can Ricochet beat a big man who's here forever? Going to be, you know what I mean? The kind of, might be able to get the job done. What do you reckon for Ricochet in this one? I reckon Velveteen Dream's probably going to come out. But Ricochet rolling through, lovely drop kick there. EC3 may have a six-pack, but I think I've counted ten-pack on Ricochet. Yeah, well, he just got caught by Jijak as the suicide dive attempt and then slammed <laughs> against the ring apron. Dijak looking impressive. And what's he going to try? Springboard elbow drop into the ring. Goes for the cover. One, two. two. Oh. oh, not enough to keep Ricochet down. Uh, oh, they can't have Ricochet losing again now. Come on. This is silly. And Dijak's going to take another risk. Lands on his shoulder. Yeah, and then he broke his fucking neck there with a moonsault. Brock Lesnar eat your heart out. <laughs> and now he's big, but he's not clever. And what's Ricochet got planned? Forearm to the face. Now a kick down. Oh, lovely axe kick there to the back of Diak's head. He can't pick him up, can he? Yeah. Suplex, but again... Powers him up. The strength of this little man. <laughs> little man. <laughs> well, little man, is he going to go up now? He's just toying with a man the size of EC3, showing him what's going to happen I think he's a, in a, Ethan Carter's future. I don't think it's easy for I think this guy's the same size as Big Cass. He looks quite big. I'd say about 6'9", maybe touching 7 foot. Ricochet don't care about that because he's on top. And what's next? And he just flew. A 6.30 splash. One, two, three. There is only a couple of men that are able to hit that move in wrestling. And Ricochet is one of them. He gets a victory there. But I think impressive. He finally beats a big man. That's good, isn't it? Well, it's a bit of retribution from last week. I mean, you know, the match before his tag team partner turned on him, cost him the match. The week before that. Lars Sullivan came in and interrupted what could have been a bloody instant classic match. So, you know, for him, for Ricochet to finally finish a match, I think is an achievement for him. And I think the thing is we argue about, we're arguing about EC3 or Ricochet, but at least we get the chance to see them. They've been featured in every episode, haven't oh, most they? Definitely. You know, so at least that's a good thing. Uh, I think Ricochet come across there. Dijak, a couple of things he did was quite impressive. And it's always about Ricochet, you know, making him look good. But there you go. After the match, though... Well, Ricochet grabs a mic and says, so Velveteen Dream likes the spotlight. I get it. He deserves it. Dream is one of the most entertaining superstars to come through NXT. 
But the spotlight doesn't just show how good you are, it shows your flaws. And when Velveteen turned on him in the handicap match last week, he showed what a punk he is. Well, Dream is here. Punk, okay, he'll allow it because tonight is his spotlight. But last week it was their spotlight and he proved that anything Ricochet can do, Velveteen can do better. Rick challenged him to come to the ring and prove it. Dream starts to walk to the ring and then says the only spotlight bright enough for them is TakeOver in Chicago. When they're in the spotlight, Velveteen will prove anything Ricochet can do. He gets another storyline like it was Say My Name. But it's like, anything you could do, I could do better. And I think that is going to be a match that's going to be great to watch at TakeOver Chicago, isn't it? You know, Most definitely, yeah. Provided they get given the time. Yeah. So, Dream's just talking shit all the time. Well, Ricochet dives over the rope, flips, lands on his feet on the ramp. He walks to the mic. Velveteen is still holding and says, prove it. A slack-jawed Dream drops the mic and slinks away. Yeah, and what you just read there might not sound that impressive to listen to when you talk about a flip over the ring, but you, you'll see it in a second. You, you realise, you're like, yeah, that looks a lot better. And there you go, Dream walking away now. He's not happy. You see what I mean? A flip over probably hasn't got the same ring to it, has it? Right, so let's call it ourselves then. So we just saw... Well, he jumps from the ring, flips over, lands on the ape, uh, lands on the ramp, walks up to Velveteen Dream. There you go. Then show me, show me, and look at look at his face, look at Dream's shocked face as well. He looks like a fucking African grandma. <laughs> well, next week after that, next week we're going to see Roderick Strong versus Danny Birch. But up next, James, it is Shayna Baszler versus Dakota Kai. For the NXT women's title. Yeah, Takata Kai versus the man beast, Shania Baszler, the most dominant woman in NXT. So here we go. The most dangerous woman in WWE, Shania Baszler. has got to defend against Dakota Kai, who's been scared of Baszler these past few weeks and months. Can Dakota Kai shock the world here tonight? And upset Baszler and walk away NXT Women's Champion. Will she overcome her fear? Nikki Cross said, face your fear and the opportunities will come. For Kai tonight, it may happen. Dan, as Baszler puts in her gum shield. She's just pulled that gum shield out of her fucking knickers. As she gets ready for her title defence, Dan, who are you backing in this NXT Women's Championship match? I'm backing Dakota Kai. Why is that? Because she's going to get her nostril over Shania Baszler's head. She's going to suffocate her. Right, let's class this as a serious match now. <coughs> oh, what, Shana Baszler's going to win. Okay, but keys to victory for Dakota Kai. What she have to do, she wants to overcome the onslaught of Baszler. Stick and move. Yeah. Face her fears. Stand up to the bully. And look at that there. She didn't. She tried to flinch. She flinched at the right hand. And Baszler used the kick. And she's just going to take her time. She dominated Ember Moon. Let's not forget a takeover. And she's beating Kari Sane. After losing to her twice. And she's beating Kari Sane. And now look at Basler playing with Dakota Kai. Oh, hello. Well, this is the difference, isn't it? Basler has lost. And she has lost to Ember Moon. In controversial fashion, maybe. But she has lost. So we know she is beatable. But, I mean, the confidence running through her veins at the moment. It's another different animal at all. She's getting the referee's face now. Oh, and Dakota Kai... Trying to stand up to her demons, but gets a punch to the midsection. Oh, my God. And Shayna Baszler just stomps on her leg. Uh-oh. And now she means business. Well, men, they pull their straps down. 
Shayna Baszler, who's also a man, takes her hair scrunchy out. Yeah, and that means she means his business here, Dakota Kai, and Kai is in serious trouble in the early going. And this is a mismatch, some might see. But like I said, Kai needs to realise this is a great opportunity for her. She can she can hurt Baszler, she might get confidence in herself. She needs to hang into hang in there as well. I mean Basil wants to maybe hurt her, maybe Kai can take advantage from that overconfidence as Basil just kicks away now and just drags Kai in the middle of the ring. He's just wrenching away at the cut of Kai's left leg. Another thing I like as well is the facials from Basler. You can see she's applying pressure when she is. He's trying to twist that leg off. Oh, and Kai with the kicks, trying to get out of this. But Basler again catches it, turns her around. Grimaces, now she's going to stomp on her leg. Oh! Oh my God, we saw that bend then. She's got to have a broken ankle. Well, that is not good. And Kai, a one-legged woman in an ass-kicking contest, especially against someone as dangerous as Basler. Oh, that's sick. You just saw a replay of it there and a scream by Kai. Basler saying, you're going to kick me. She takes out a gum shield. Oh! As Dakota slaps her around the face. And that might have just pissed off Basler. Oh. Who kicks her straight across the chest. And now just mounts her with a forearms. Vicious blows, strikes to the face. Oh, come on, ref. It might be good for ref now. Basler's going to tear apart Kai. She's got the ankle lock locked in. And that's the ankle she almost destroyed a minute ago. Kai's in the middle of the ring here. Well, she's trying to hold on. This is just utter destruction. Kai trying to get to the bottom rope. Don't know how much longer she's going to be able to hold on for, though. But she is showing toughness and heart. But now with a grapevine. No, Basler, let's go. She's got more of a heel lock in than uh, ankle lock in. Well, as she does that, Kai managed to grab the rope. She kicks Kai's leg out and then just pushing her face down. Going back to the, like you said, the ankle slash heel lock. But Kai's showing her heart. A life-changing, uh, a career-ending injury by Basler on Kai if Kai keeps in this. Kai gets to her feet somehow, though. Oh, delivers an insiguri. Can't capitalise on it, though, because she's in so much pain in that left leg. But now, <coughs> with the punches, and Basler's a little bit rocked at this moment in time, and Kai getting five or six off. Oh! Oh, catches her with a heel. And another boot to the face, and Kai... But now she sees her advantage, and Basler going near the bottom rope there. She hasn't used the ropes to get to her feet. What's up, love? love? And here comes Kai. Oh! oh delivers a hell of a kick. Building up momentum again. Oh, oh another boot to the face. And Basler, she was so cocky early on in this match. She's not so cocky now. She's not. She's trying to take away Kai's greatest weapon, but Kai's using it, even though she's in pain every time. She knows she can put Basler away with the kicks. Running up again. Going to go for that code breaker. Oh, my God. Basler slips out of it. Kirifudu clutch in the middle of the ring. And I've not seen a reversal like that in a while. Basler gets Kai and Kai has got to tap out. She's trying to go purple in the face. Oh, my God. And she's holding it in. Referee's trying to stop her, but she won't let go. Vicious by Basler. Well, Kai put up a fight, but... I think there's only one woman in this, really. The Queen of Spades, the most dangerous woman in NXT. And Kai might have a broken arm, might have a broken leg. 
Well, heavy duty there by Basley. You've got to be impressed with that. <laughs> I don't know, you have to be. I mean, what are your thoughts on Basley <laughs> after that? I don't know. Like, you know, with, with someone that was so afraid of her going into the match, Shayna Basler was toying with her, and then, you know, for Kai to actually be able to come back into the match was, you know, it was a bit of a discredit towards Basler, I'd say. I, I think, no, I think it helped. I think she, it told the story of Kai, because otherwise it just would have been Kai completely kind of storyline there would just been like, oh, why did they do that for? I think at least with uh, getting a little bit of offence in, it was like, yeah, she showed a bit of toughness, but Basler ju- is just too strong. And now Basler's rubbing salt into the wound. Going back to that Kirifudu clutch, taking yes, out. Yes, Nikki! Taking Beat her face in! Dakota Kai! And here comes Nikki Cross! Ah! <laughs> she's not cross, James. She's fucking angry. And she's crazy. Well, the craziest woman in NXT is facing off with the most dangerous. How can she face off against herself? And Basler saying, you want it? Let's get it on. Huge Nikki chance. Yes, because everyone hates Shayna Basler. Um, I don't think Shania wants any of Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross holding her ground in the middle of the ring. Nikki's, Nikki's gonna, gonna kill you. you. The Basler pussying out. She knows that Cross will kick her teeth down her throat. Well, Basler's gonna fight, live to fight another day. She just successfully defended the Women's Championship. She doesn't need to fight tonight. She can walk away with a gold around her, uh, over her well, shoulder. Nikki Cross ain't gonna let her walk away that easily. She snatches the title <laughs> off the shoulder of Basler. Oh, how childish is that, Nikki? Come on now. <laughs> Nikki, that's not yours. Come on now. Don't be so childish. She's like, you want it? Come get it. Well, Basler does, to credit... Look has... how much the fans would love to see Nikki holding that title. She's came close in the past, and now she lays it down for Basler to get. And this is quite a face-off. Cross saying, come on, come and get it. Here comes Basler in the ring. Here comes Nikki Cross, grabs the championship. And now she's got it over her shoulder. Basler come on, you weird dickhead. Basler you want the title. Basler don't know what to do. Nikki Kai, Kai, come here. Why does she want Kai for? Nikki wants Basler tonight. You're the referee. <laughs> Kai's a referee. What's going on? Chris, Nikki, you can't put a title on the line. She just has. Are you going to stop her, James? I'm not, I, I love Nikki Cross, but... I'm a bit worried for her because Basler's there. Kai, bell. Kai lifts the title. Basler's going to get her championship off Kai. Here comes Cross Cutter. Hits him with the rolling. Oh, no. Oh. Yes. We've got a new NXT no. women's champion. Nikki Cross and the referee's too scared to tell her not. <laughs> well, Nikki Cross just pinned Basler back. The title's not on the line here. If it was... We'd have a new women's champion. Well, she might have hit Widow's... Not Widow's Peak. You might have hit the... Um, I don't even know what I finished with. Uh, I'm cross-checking. <laughs> well, and now look at Nikki Cross celebrating, running around the ring, going through the crowd as an NXT women's champion, even though she's not. She celebrates with the fans here, and at least that makes Dan happy. She hits the purge. Well, the purge gets the pin, but still, Bowser is champion. But Nikki Cross is sending a message... Not only to Bazza herself, but the entire NXT women's division. Look, look how much they love the fact that Nikki Cross is champion. Champion. Champion, like champion. Why are you pet? My God. So Nikki Cross thinks she's NXT women's champion. She's not. Uh, what have you thought of NXT update this month, Dan? 
I thought it has been thoroughly entertaining. We've seen some very good matches, and we've seen some, you know, heated rivalries. We've seen some some very good stories developing. You know, Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream. Who's going to be the number one contender? And it turns out it's Lars Sullivan. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. you can't make that stuff up. No, you can't. And we've seen a great six-man tag team <laughs> match as well yeah. with uh, Undisputed Era involved. We saw Champa absolutely destroying uh, Cassius Ono. We've seen the women's champion, women's title. Uh, looking like it's going to be Nikki Cross versus Basler. Like we said, we know about Gagano Champa. We know about uh, Dream versus Ricochet. So we were on our way to NXT TakeOver Chicago. We'll be watching it live next month as it comes along. Uh, but NXT Update's been great. But what's been better this month? Has it been 205 Live or NXT? As far as storylines go, I think you can't top the NXT because they've got more personal stuff going on. Um, but as far as matches, I think we've seen three brilliant matches in 205 Live. Yeah, yeah I think I think for me, NXT does pip it, just because we've seen great matches in NXT, and like I said, the storyline for TakeOver. I can't wait for Chicago too, and it always delivers, doesn't it, TakeOver events? So you know they're going to bring their best. Most definitely, yeah. Uh, but that's it. anything else about anything we've seen this month, Dan? No, I think that's uh, it's all been covered. Cool. So the next episode is WNL161, and it's the best in the world, we look at CM Punk, and he's one of our favourites, and we cannot wait to do it. If you want to let us know what you've been watching on WWE Network, or what your feelings are on CM Punk, let us know by going on Twitter, at WWE Network Review, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We're also across the Google platforms, W Network Review and Google+. Send us an email to WNRpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can come and find our page and give us a like with a WW Network Review podcast. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WW Network Review Podcast, where we've got latest clips, podcasts at the same time. We do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Don't forget to subscribe to our music maker, Diddly, on SoundCloud. We're also on Stitcher Radio, Freaker Radio. We've got our live shows, NXT TakeOver Chicago next month. And iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. But that is it. Don't forget, WR161 CM Punk Special is next. But until then, I have been James Rowlands, and as always, always joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. Bye.